airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free, so enjoy those. Again, freetalklive.com. As always, there is a lot to discuss here tonight. Of course, your calls are the primary element if you make them first. There's been some discussion uh, about this gold situation, and I mentioned it last night on the show, and it has been mentioned, I think, prior to that, and uh, Johnson sent me over something that goes into a little bit more detail about it. Apparently, there's more uh, proposed than just a gold report. Uh, the, the word that we had heard before was that once you reach uh, $600 in purchasing gold, you will have to send in some sort of IRS form. Uh, that would have been bad enough, right? If you were just going to have to report the fact that you were buying gold, uh, that's bad enough. That yeah, kind that's of, disturbing. Like, why, why, would the, why does the government want to know a about a $600 purchase? Right. It kind of has that ring to it of maybe they'll confiscate the gold. <laughs> you know, like, oh, well, when, scary. They, when they when they start writing down the people that have X, there's a good chance they might confiscate X. It's It's been done in the past. So there was that, and then apparently there's more to it. According to ABC News, those already outraged by the president's health care legislation now have a new bone of contention, a scarcely noticed tack-on provision to the law that puts gold coin buyers and sellers under closer government scrutiny. Because, you know, that's got a lot to do with health care. <laughs> oh, no, I guess not. In fact, it has nothing to do with it. But this is how things go in Washington, D.C. They have, what do they call it, log rolling? or No, that's when they just scratch each other's backs, but... Uh, they do this all the time. I mean, yeah, they, Jim ta- Bab- they tack these things on, and uh, you know, you're not supposed to find out until it's already law, and that's and, and it works. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so you find out these things, you know, after the fact, and uh, and here you go. The issue rising to the fore, just as gold coin dealers are attracting attention over sales tactics, Section nine thousand and six of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. You mean you missed that part when you were reading it, right? 9,006. Uh, and the Affordable Care Act of the Internal Revenue Code will be amended to expand the scope of Form 1099. Currently, 1099 forms are used to track and report the mis- miscellaneous income uh, associated with services rendered by independent contractors or self-employed individuals. Starting January 1st, 2012, Form 1099s will become a mean of uh, means of reporting to the IRS the purchase of all goods and services by small businesses and self-employed people that exceed $600 during the calendar year. So this is, uh, we have discussed this before, the uh, this reporting requirement. I didn't know it was the same thing as the, the gold section, but this is really bad news that if you're going to buy a new computer for the office that runs more than $600, which isn't a hard thing to do, that you'd have to report that to the IRS. Well, wouldn't the company that sold it have to report it to the IRS? Not you when you buy it, is that right? Presumably it would be the company that uh, that sold it. But nonetheless, then you're they're going to ask you and say, "Oh, well, you've purchased this computer. Now you need to give us your social security number so we can uh, you know, give you this uh, 1099 form because you always get a copy too, right?" Uh, and they've got to have the right information on you know, there when it comes the taxpayer. To ten, currently, with 1099s, you basically get um, a 1099 when you get money from someone. So you have this situation where, all right, you're going to give me $1,000. I'll give you my Social Security number. I guess I can live with that. 
However, now we're talking about a situation where I'm giving money to uh, somebody and they want to get the sale done. And then after the sales complete, they're going to want information for me, like Social Security number and things like that. At that point, the, the bargainer, um, the, the bargaining power rests with the consumer. Or the, the bargaining power always rests with the consumer. But in this case, uh, it, it's, it's sort of turned, the situation's turned on its head. I can say, oh, well, you want my government information? You want my Social Security number and stuff like that? I, I guess this deal's done. Right. And then the, the, the person's going to be like, whoa, 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 I got to sell this computer here, man. And they might be able to figure something out in, in order to not do it. Do you, do you yeah, see what I'm saying? Right. But now they're going to have to. Uh, well, now they're deepening the black market if they if they set it up this way. The government's gotten pretty good about setting things up so that uh, the, the individual is kind of stuck. You know what I mean? They are very good at doing that. They're very good at making things very difficult and having a bunch of hoops for you to jump through just to do something simple. In this case, buy some office equipment or uh, perhaps to purchase some gold for safekeeping. According to the uh, the provision, uh, excuse me, precious metals such as coins or bullion fall into this category, the category of uh, goods and services purchased by small business and self-employed people. Uh, they fall into this category, and coin dealers have been among those ranked most rankled rather by the change. This provision intended to mine what the IRS deems a vast reservoir of uncollected income tax was included in the healthcare legislation ostensibly as a way to pay for it. Uh-huh. The tax code tweak is expected to raise seventeen billion over the next ten years. The thing that the government never realizes, though, that uh, once they start taxing something, the uh, the revenue pool dries up a bit at the at the very least a bit. And the the easiest thing to do is look at cigarettes. You know, if you look at the way people smoke cigarettes today. By the way, I, I went to the store recently. It was seven dollars and fifty cents a pack of cigarettes. It's, That's in New Hampshire. Yeah, and I can't it, in 10 some to places. Fifteen and right, New York you can find them for twelve or more. Um, when when the government uh, you know looks at that and says, okay, well, X a number of packs of cigarettes are sold here in this in this geographic area whether it's the united states or a state or whatever for this amount of money then we can you know tax it this much and then we'll make this much money but what happens is the marketplace moves around it the marketplace is like a river it'll move around obstructions you put in mm-hmm. its way so either people will buy from outside the country outside the state outside the the city whatever it is they need to do they'll they'll quit i when when the federal government put a was it a 40 cent tax on cigars Last year, um, I believe it was started in April, I quit smoking because I'm not willing to give the government any money, um, any extra money. I'm not going to voluntarily give them, buy them bullets so they can put them in people. So, um, you know, I stopped smoking and that's going to happen. And this is kind of how the, you know, they, they're figuring don't work. Well, according to uh, the story here, coin dealers not only buy for their inventory from other dealers, but also with great frequency from the public, most other types of businesses will have a limited number of suppliers from which they buy their goods and products for resale. Uh, so every time a member of the public sells more than $600 worth of gold to a dealer, the uh, spokesman for the gold industry basically said that the transaction will have to be reported by the government to the excuse me uh, excuse me to the government by the buyer. So every time a member okay, so it's the business that would be uh, if you're if they're buying gold, if you run a coin shop, and you buy a thousand dollars worth of gold from somebody, which you know that's not hard to do. That's an ounce of gold. Yeah, well, at least it's uh, it's it's in the the right direction. You know what I mean? Uh, that that it'll it would they they haven't set it up in in the silly fashion that I was talking about previously. But 
I can tell you that you know people will make deals based on taxes. I I'll tell people at times when I'm dealing with them that look, look, I you know I just don't want I, I'm not interested in paying the taxes on this. I'll do the the I'll do the deal with you, but I'm not going to pay the taxes. Yeah. So if, do I have to pay in cash? Do you want me to pay in silver? Whatever, because I, I'm not interested in pay, paying taxes to the government on these things. And I'd imagine that you'd be able to find within the gold industry people that are willing to be flexible with you like that. But nonetheless. Most most people are going to go along, right? I mean, most people. When, most people will go along, right? So, so the government is right in that this will provide them with some new revenue stream. Sure, I'm I mean, not, they, I wouldn't say I wouldn't. Right. So, uh, Pat uh, Pat Heller, who owns Owens, how about Liberty Coin Service in uh, Lansing, Michigan, deals with around a thousand customers every week. Many are individuals looking to protect wealth in an uncertain economy. He said, while others are dealers like him. With spot market prices for gold at nearly 1200 an ounce, Heller estimates that he'll be filling out between, now get this, 10,000 and 20,000 tax forms per year. So this is a small business person that they're loading down with yeah. ten to 20,000 pieces of paper that he's supposed to fill out. This is ludicrous. This is what stifles innovation. This is what stifles productivity in America. This kind of crap. And, and the stifling can result in... The, the killing of some businesses. Now you could say to yourself, "Oh, those gold businesses are doing fine." Well, maybe some of them are. Some of them are. Some aren't. of them are on the fringe. I mean, right. you know, there's a lot of competition out there. It's been there selling is. gold and silver. And now this guy says he's going to. I know to, we sell it. <laughs> he's going to have to hire two full-time people just to track all of this. He says. More coming up. You can take control at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy features like our listening options, broadband and dial-up flavors of streams. We've got our webcam plus the listen lines, which apparently were down last night. They are back. So you can call in from any phone that can dial long distance and listen in that way as well. Uh, head over to listen.freetalklive.com to learn more. That's listen.freetalklive.com. You know, most of the time when you're uh, dealing with the, the government or, you know, the, the court cases court cases and things like that, it's it's not even worth t- taking something to court because, you know, you'll, you'll spend more money taking it to court for a lawyer than you would uh, actually make. Well, Jurisdictionary.com can help you with that. Jurisdictionary.com is a program that allows you to take your cases to court. It's written by a doctorate of jurisprudence who wants uh, you to know how to protect yourself from other members of his profession. It's uh, written in the, the way that the average eighth grader can grasp in less than 24 hours. They're the leader in self-help since 1997. It's called Jurisdictionary.com. It's a program I've taken, and I recommend it for you, Jurisdictionary.com. All right, 800-259-9231. Coming up here tonight, if we get a chance, I would like to talk about our friend Mark Stevens, who, or excuse me, not Mark Stevens, Mark Emery, who is uh, in jail. 
and he's in federal prison. He's been sending emails to us, letting us know what uh, his answers are to your questions that you asked him when I uh, posted over at Facebook, over the uh, Free Talk Live Facebook page at facebook.freetalklive.com, asking you for questions for Mark Emery. So hopefully we'll get a chance uh, to get uh, get to another one of those here tonight. We're starting out by talking about the gold coin situation uh, where according to the government's laws their their rules uh, in 2012 1099s will be something that businesses uh, the purchasers of all goods and services by small businesses and self-employed people that exceed $600 during a calendar year will have to be reported so according to the details on this it's the business that has to do this so right now it's not the, uh, the the user, if you will, the purchaser, if you're like a customer of the business, you won't have to fill the form out, but that doesn't mean your info isn't getting reported. You're still being reported by the business. So as usual, this is how the government does it. They leverage the businesses in order to get them to do their dirty work. I mean, taxes wouldn't really be, uh, for instance, sales taxes wouldn't be very easy to collect if businesses wouldn't go along with it. Sure. If, if, if the, uh, the end user, the person who's buying stuff, the, if the government sent you a form every year and please estimate the amount of things that you've bought this year and then remit to us 6.5% of that mm-hmm. for sales tax. You know, obviously that wouldn't work. So they, they put the onus upon the business owners, the people out there trying to make a buck, you know, and it's essentially they deputize them as uh, deputies that work for free. We call those slaves um, and you know, make them make them collect their taxes. But they're a special kind of slave. They're the kind of slave that has been granted the permission to do business. So they're a slave that is a you know a little higher status. And so therefore, uh, because they make their living in this, whatever their, their business is, because, again, this applies to all small businesses that are buying things. Uh, so because they make their living in this way, they have something a little bit more on the line. It's not as hard for the average individual to take the risk of not filling out a government income tax form because they're just a little more transient. They're uh, more likely to move from one place to another. They're just a little bit more difficult to, uh, to get your hands around if you're the government. Whereas the business usually has uh, like a business license. They usually have some level of establishment, uh, or at least they would like, establishment in a community. And so it's not as easy for a business to just kind of fly under the radar and, and not uh, fill out all these, these government forms. I think that we need more businesses who will do that kind of thing. But the reality is because the business owner has more invested, they've got more on the line, they're more likely to just go along to get along. And I think it's one of the biggest, one of the biggest problems that we face in transitioning from the uh, you know this this coercive government society that we currently uh, live in and to a voluntary society, is to convince business owners to come on board with non cooperation, is to convince them that uh, it's worth the risk. <laughs> and I don't know how you're going to do this. I, I don't know if it's possible. I I hope it is. I hope that we see this influx of really courageous business owners that are willing to start up businesses without asking for permission, that are willing to hire employees without uh, filling out the W-2s, that are willing to just do business without begging for permission. I think that could be a really strong statement if, uh, if a business owner were to do that. Maybe we'll see the beginning of it here soon in New Hampshire where we've got uh, Keen Last Biscuit coming up here uh, to the Keen area, getting ready to open up shop, selling food to people underground. It will be a truly underground business. Uh, some would call it an agorist business. Uh, as somebody who's running their operation fully without asking for a government permission slip. They're going out. They're buying food. They're preparing it. They're, you know, they're shipping it out. They're delivering it to your door. 
and they're collecting money for it, and they're not collecting a bit of tax, and they haven't filled out a, a government form. That's what I'm talking about. We, we need more uh, last biscuits, but it needs to be in a greater range of categories. Now, you still have things like you know shade tree mechanics, people that uh, offer their professional services kind of off the marketplace quietly right. through word of mouth, and that's the same sort of thing, but there's... There's a difference between offering a word-of-mouth service quietly, like you know, a drug dealer or something like that, and actually having the uh, mm, the brass, if you will, to really, prom- yeah, really promote your business, your underground business, to really get the word out about it. You know, put a commercial on television, run a run a series of radio ads, that kind of thing, uh, to to actually go that public. With not uh, with not paying taxes and not jumping through these uh, these government hoops, so these poor bastards uh, in the gold industry and the rest of the the business world are going to have to start filling out forms. One guy says it'll be ten thousand to twenty thousand forms per year that he'll have to fill out. He's a gold dealer, so pretty much every deal he does is over six hundred dollars. Right. You know, um, it, it, I think that it's mostly they want it from him for buying, though, isn't it? No, it's for selling too. You know, uh, there is, by the way, um, legislation proposed to take care of this one particular provision that this is considered too onerous for small business people. It has 80 co-sponsors at this point, and hopefully this will get rolled over. But at this point, we have no reason to believe it. It is law in these United States, and, um, you know, the laws are very difficult things to get repealed. You know what, Mark? I'm not too clear on that. And, and, you know, and that's how IRS uh, rules go. You just remain unclear until they fine you. Purchase it according to ABC News. And by the way, they're unclear too. When you call them and ask them questions, they have no clue. 50% of the time, they get the, the answers to them wrong on their hotline to commonly yeah. ask questions. The top 10 questions or whatever. Uh, according to ABC News, it is that the, the, what will have to be reported to the IRS are the purchases of all goods and services by small businesses and self employed people that exceed $600 during a calendar year. So maybe you're right, Mark, because. It, because it would only be them buying your gold from you, wherein they would have to fill out these forms. But who's to say they won't change that the next year? Because this is how government uh, programs. The work. guy's already talking about ten to twenty thousand uh, pieces of government forms that he has to fill out, and two employees he's going to have to hire to, in order to do it. I mean that that'll put somebody out of business. That can absolutely put somebody out of business. But the government people don't think care about, about it that. for a second. Uh, I mean, you know, business owners don't make much more than a paycheck. You know, successful ones make a big paycheck. But imagine trying to take your paycheck and splitting it among three people. Yeah, the government people don't care if it puts you out of business. They just care about the aggregate of whether or not they're going to get more money. And that's true. They will get more money because people are obedient and they'll go along with it. Of course, the ultimate question is, when will people stop going along with it? And I don't know. If you've got an answer, 800-259-9231. American patriots, would you like to spend a day or two with other freedom-loving Americans? Learn rifle marksmanship while hearing the real story behind the American Revolution? If you said yes, then the Appleseed program is for you. Part shooting school, part oral history lesson. Appleseed has trained thousands of Americans nationwide. And with hundreds of shoots scheduled this year, you can be sure there's one near you. For more information, go to appleseedinfo.org. That's appleseedinfo.org.
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian and Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us, including news updates. You get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to news.freetalklive.com. To get signed up. You can get on our email list, follow our Twitter profile, or Facebook Go to news.freetalklive.com. You'll hear announcements like the fact that we're auctioning off another banner. You can get the fourth banner on the website, and you can get it for an entire month. Now, uh, the the bids are currently at $15.50. Now, of course, there are a good another six days remaining, but I've seen these banners go for as cheap as 30 bucks and as expensive as you know 150 So you never know where it's going to end up. just depends on what the market bears. So head over to auction.freetalklive.com and you can place your bid on the fourth banner on the freetalklive.com website right now. Auction.freetalklive.com. You can get your Liberty message out to thousands of people a month for fractions of a penny apiece. You can do it from the back of your car with libertystickers.com. They have hundreds and hundreds of different Liberty sayings. Sometimes I like to just scroll through and read them all, um, you know, each one, because I find them entertaining. It's libertystickers.com. You can check them out. Let your voice be heard with libertystickers.com. As a matter of fact, they um, they make custom stickers, too. So it, if you've got a business or something like that, you want to make some bumper stickers for people to uh, do a little advertising for you, Go to libertystickers.com. Get a hold of them there. Libertystickers.com. All right, let's go to your phone calls. Uh, you can call in about whatever's on your mind. Andrew is in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Ian and Mark. I have uh, actually four quick topics for discussion tonight. Good um, okay, Maybe sure. I could give you a quick synopsis. Uh, the first one being civil disobedience and the possibility of using soda cans wrapped with beer can shells as civil disobedience, making it impossible for authorities to decipher who is actually consuming an alcoholic beverage and who isn't? Soda cans wrapped with beer can shells. That sounds a little difficult. Why not just pour the uh, pour the beer into the soda can? Oh, you could do that as well, but uh, I guess that'd probably be a better idea. You got me there. Well, um, I think that what, what you're pointing out is that you know you is if people can people can stand around with a beer bottle with water in it and um, you know at these uh, these these uh, free keen uh, celebrations where they have the nightcaps and drink out in, uh, yeah, in Central party Square. In the park. Yeah, um, they could they could do that, and it it certainly would confound the situation. I, yeah, I think um, it's a fine idea. Uh, in fact, the idea has already been thrown around. If you look at their own government rules, and these may vary, there's different open container rules across the country. So I don't know, uh, your local mileage may vary, but at least up here, the, the their own rule says that if you've got a drink that has less than 0.5% alcohol content, then it doesn't qualify for the open container violation. So you could actually, if you wanted to, really confound them. Uh, you could take video footage of you pouring Odul's or some other <laughs> N.A. beverage into the beer cans and then go out into the park that way if the cops try to snatch the can from you first of all you shouldn't give them the can if they're asking you for it a lot of people when the cops come up to them uh will just hand it over so try not giving them the uh, the can in the first place because they need to identify whether whether or not they think the substance in the can or the bottle or whatever is beer so frequently they'll grab a drink from somebody and sniff it and if they're sniffing an N.A. beer, there's a good chance they're going to think they're sniffing beer. They are so, sniffing beer. <laughs> so they're going to dump it out. They're going to cite you, and uh, and then they're going to have to prove later on 
that it was over 0.5% alcohol content. Of course, you've got video footage that proves that it definitely wasn't. And I think even beyond that, even if you do just have a beer out in the park, if they're dumping the beers out, then they have no way of proving what that was. Unless they can say they saw you open an unopened beer and then claim that, well, that because of that, they know for a fact that this was what it was. Uh, but they didn't see you. But they need to have the evidence, too. At that point, if you've got video evidence that says that you, um, even if you, even if it isn't true, right, you pour an O'Doul's into a can and you're drinking a real Budweiser. Mm-hmm. But if you can show, and, and I think that this is, you, you can show in a, uh, a, a court that there's reasonable doubt that that, uh, that beer yeah. that they were drinking was, in fact, a, a beer with enough alcohol in yeah, it. The cop can point. say whatever he wants to right. say, but there's reasonable <laughs> doubt. And um, that, you know, so it, it, it it, it confounds the whole situation, I yeah. think, is really what it's all about. And then they're put, paying to put on a trial. Of course, if the, if the, uh, the timestamp on the video is, uh, is sometime from you know, last year yeah, or something like years, that, yeah. it probably won't be as, uh, as useful as it was if it was the day that it all occurred. But, but nonetheless, they still have a pretty tough case. Even any, in any case with the, the open drinking law here, uh, they, they've got a tough case because they never keep the alcohol and they never run a test on it. They just kind of... Well, they they figure they're going to intimidate people. So, sure. oh, we're going to dump out the beer. We'll write you a ticket. You're going to show up in court, sucker. And then they give you the plea deal. Okay, mm. uh, we'll let you. Uh, we'll let disorderly. you go. Right. We'll just give. Well, no, it wouldn't be disorderly. Would they give you a disorderly? Who I knows? suppose they could. They could do whatever they want. That's, this is true. Um, but usually, disorderly is that you do something after they've told you not to do something. Typically. Uh, anyway, so if you're if you're actually taking them to a trial, if you're refusing to plea out. Then they've got a real task on their hands. Now they've got to prove a case. <laughs> How many times do they actually have to prove that somebody was drinking alcohol in the park? How it's many not times? like they're going to have the beer. No, they're going to dump it out. They could take the beer. They could send right. it to if a lab. they did police work. But this is, unfortunately, they're so busy messing with peaceful people who aren't hurting anybody that they, they aren't actually very skilled at doing that or very interested in doing it. I don't know if they're skilled or not. I can't, I can't speak to that. But they're not very interested in doing real police work. Maybe on the real police work type cases, the murders, the arsons, the robberies, maybe they do it. My experience is when there's a property uh, theft that goes on, they don't do much uh, real police work. They just kind of you know, write you a piece of paper and say, here you go. And yeah. the evidence is... things I wanted to mention. Um... Go ahead. Uh, using semi-permanent structures as homes, such as yurts and geodesic domes, to kind of make homeownership more affordable for liberty activists moving to the area and reduce the property tax burden. You know, I um, they, they they pretty much have that locked down around here. They they understand uh, you know how to uh, how to word their laws so that you pretty much have to buy have to build yourself a real live house. You can't build a okay. yurt. Um, a yurt could be uh, several different things. He's basically talking about a tent. Um, that's, well, a geodesic dome is not a tent. That's a home. And I've seen them here. So I don't know what you mean, Mark. It says semi-permanent? It's a home. A is geodesic that gonna, dome is a, is a right. house. Is that going to reduce property taxes then if you're talking about the know. geodesic Probably domes not. that you're talking about? Okay. So why, what, would it, why would a geodesic dome reduce uh, property taxes, Andrew? Uh, just because um, I don't think it would be valued. I mean, well, first of all, the value of a geodesic dome, I would estimate at about $10,000, whereas a, uh, a home home, quote-unquote, would probably be, you know, with the same, the same size would probably be 100000 
I don't believe it. I've seen these geodesic domes. They're pretty. Some of them are pretty. It might nice. cost you ten thousand dollars to buy the little wood pieces that you put together for the geodesic dome, but then you have to to wire it and fill it, um, and you know do the uh, drywall and right? all that other stuff. I mean, the lumber that it cost to build my house was thirty thousand dollars, but uh, you know by the time we were done, the thing cost like a hundred and fifty. So. You know, you what's can find your... yurts online for rather large yurts for about ten thousand dollars. Is that I, a I tent? Know. Is that a tent or is that a structure? That's an actual structure with lattice, um, with an under structure, and um, a. Hey, I th- uh, I think the more uh, creativity you can put into the process, uh, the better off you're going to be. I've heard some people talk about building a home that's you know par- partially underground, and then you can only see the first uh, first story from the uh, you know from the road or whatever. When you come in, there's like a trap door that you have to go down, or something like that. Something a little elaborate uh, to to take like fifty percent of your home and the size of the home essentially off the uh, the rolls. Of course, then it's difficult to sell that kind of thing. Uh, but nonetheless, there's some creative uh, creative ideas out there. And even if it's just letting people camp out on your property, that's a way to uh, to, to to cover property taxes and give people a place to stay. Uh, or and 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 essentially make it so that people can get here to New Hampshire sooner rather than later. I I support it fully. Or just they've buy got a acres out in, in Grafton. I mean, people can can yeah. camp out there cheaply. Or or you just buy a multifamily. That's something that already exists, and it's it's already most multifamilies are already turning a small profit uh, if they're fully rented out for their for their owner. At the, at the very least, they're certainly paying off the mortgage and paying off the property taxes. So there are definitely ways for investors to come up here and provide that housing. For the incoming uh, Free Staters, I know you had one or two more points. We'll, we'll hang on to you. Bring you back here in a little bit. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Of course, this program is uh, brought to you by the Free State Project. We'll tell you more about them coming up here in a few moments. Your calls as well. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. Death. Its shadow followed Paul. Its hot breath had flowed across the back of his neck. Its cold fingers had caressed his throat. As Paul dabbles in the occult world of the Ouija board, a dangerous netherworld opens up to him, and he discovers the frightening possibility that a demonic dimension may be merging with our own. Read Matthew Wayne's debut novel, The Ouija's. To find out more, available now as an ebook at IPIC Publishing, IPICpublishing.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Uh, by the way, I mentioned a moment ago that uh, we are sponsored by the Free State Project, and it is true. You can go to freestateproject.org to learn about an amazing movement full of people that love freedom, people that are moving together in order to get active, to achieve liberty in their lifetimes, maybe your lifetime as well if you come up here. Uh, you can go to freestateproject.org to learn more about this movement. Mark and myself made the move to New Hampshire from Florida back in Labor Day of 2006, or we're coming up on our fourth uh, fourth anniversary here, Mark. Yeah, it's it's really close. So uh, so head on over, learn more about it yourself. They've got the 101 reasons to move to New Hampshire there at freestateproject.org. And I have to say, it is a very persuasive list. It's the reason we're here. Yeah, it really is. The reason I voted for New Hampshire, uh, and it was like a no-brainer after I read that list. I thought, oh my gosh, I, I've got to be here. So here we are. And you could be here too. So go to freestateproject.org, get signed up. There are over 10,000 people that have currently signed and pledged to make the move to New Hampshire. 
Uh, we want to get to 20,000. And uh, there are hundreds of already moved, so you don't have to wait. You you don't have to sign up and wait, but you can. You know, there's different ways that you can sign up, different criteria that you can kind of check on. Uh, you know, just decide that uh, you want to wait till X happens, or you want to wait till X amount of years, or whatever. There's different ways that you can sign up. Try to make it as flexible as possible. Over at freestateproject.org, but be careful if you sign up for the Free State Project. You end up coming up to visit New Hampshire. It may cause problems. It's over. What's that? It's over. It's over at that point? <laughs> yeah, well, Michelle Seven was here last night, uh, one of the newer movers, and she was talking about how depressed she was when she uh, came up for the Liberty Forum, which is a yearly event that happens here in New Hampshire. Uh, it, it's kind of like like a convention-style event happens in the wintertime. And so she was here, and she was enjoying herself so much that when she got back home, it was she was really bummed out. So she had to move up her plans to move. <laughs> it, it works out really well for us. Just Just be aware that that happens to people. Uh, so, freestateproject.org, we continue. Andrew in Massachusetts, you're back on Free Talk Live, covering a couple different, a uh, few different topics tonight, so go ahead. Okay, the third thing, polyphasic sleep. I'm thinking about doing a year-long experiment where I sleep 20 minutes every six hours, and I'm trying to get friends and family to help fund this experiment and eventually write a book about the experience. Has this been done before? Was, it sounds a little uh, dangerous. Oh, yeah. I've I read a few books about it, and there are a few adopters, and um, not doctors, adopters, but... Um, it's something I'd like to try, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd just like to see the result, and I'm kind of an experimental type, so. so but my question is, how would you try to get, you know, friends and family to, you know, get behind you and maybe help with a little funding in exchange for some of the book revenues? So it's a, are you saying that you basically you can't work if you try to do this uh, polyphasic sleep thing? Uh, there's an adaption phase. It's about uh, one to two weeks, depending on the individual. But once your body adapts, the theory is that your your REM sleep makes up for it. So your body learns to adapt, and sleep becomes more efficient, basically. You need a few bucks to make it through for two weeks? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, basically. I'm only looking for like maybe a, like a grand or two. My advice, is, money. my advice is to put away a grand or two in your normal job, and then uh, and then once you have uh, you've invested that in your own plan, then you'll be more likely to adhere to it. Um, when you take other people's money, you're less likely to you haven't you haven't uh, invested in what mm-hmm. it is uh, that you want to do, sort of in a in a psychic way. So you'll be more likely to fail. So I think that you'll you'll see that if you make the investment yourself by putting uh, you know put a hundred dollars a week away. Put two hundred dollars a week away, and uh, you'll see that investment. Once you can, uh, once once you have that for yourself, then then you'll be fine. That's a good suggestion, Mark. Because I mean, just listening to it, I was balking at the proposal. Just trying to imagine myself being uh, a family or, or a friend of yours. Just yeah, I appreciate the uh, the offer, but you can spend your own money on that. Because then, uh, if you spend your own money on it, then it's all yours, right? I mean, if you sell the book and it turns into a bestseller, then you don't owe anybody anything. You did all the work uh, and the funding uh, yourself. That was the backup plan. All right. And, so uh, your fourth option. Um, the fourth thing, what um, my skills are, I'm a trivia host and a ring announcer, an entrepreneur, and um, an exercise science person. And I was wondering, what, what do you think would be my most marketable skill in the Keen Grafton area? Hey, can you run through those one more time for me? Um, I'm a boxing announcer, a trivia host, um, an entrepreneur, and I also study exercise science. I haven't the slightest clue. I mean, I. Well, it seems to me that you can probably find somebody. Uh, you know, there, there's always uh, personal training to be had, right? If you go and uh, if you push your personal training, you'll be able to, uh, you know, build business. A lot of times, you can, uh, you know, people are looking for personal training in their homes, and this, I think, is something that is uh, def an untapped marketplace. Is sort of the the elderly and um, you know personal tra- personal training, weight training in their home. You can do that at 
you know, $50, $60 an hour, um, you, you know, obviously off, offering a bargain in this in these economic times is going to be better for you. But that, that's a that's a place to start. Yeah, I would say that I, uh, you know, I'm not the best person to ask this question. I'm not really in touch with the market services that are available around Keene. I'm a, I'm a retail I'm a retail customer, but beyond that, I don't do much more than buy at retail and uh, go to restaurants occasionally. Yeah. We didn't move into the area looking for a job either, so you know, I couldn't say. Yeah, so I, what I would suggest you do if you want to learn more about Keene is to go to freekeen.com, visit the forum there. There's some uh, good places where you can ask some questions, and I thank you for the call tonight, Andrew. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, yeah, you can con- uh, control the airwaves here. Another Andrew is on the line in New Hampshire, this one. Hello, Andrew. Greetings, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, I wanted to uh, piggyback on Andrew from Massachusetts and talk about um, open containers and alcohol and um police uh, not saving the samples of the beverage. Yeah, it seems like they've got a real tough time to make a case if it actually goes to court. Uh, that's correct. Um, as many people might know, I work for a police department in a college town, mm. and uh, they early on, or you know, with a with a new judge, uh, you know, had attorneys pushing the issue um, when they were bringing open container cases, uh, minor in possession of alcohol cases, and the judge was kicking them because the judge said, "Well, can you say that it's an alcoholic beverage?" And the prosecution would say, "Well, it was in a can. That means it's beer, and it smells like a beer." And the judge goes, "Yeah, that's reasonable doubt." So what they have to do is what they do is they uh, have a um, a plastic uh, container, like two ounces, one ounce, that they pour uh, part of the beverage into. They seal it. They take the can, and then they put it in their nice little evidence bag so, you know, the, the beer isn't sloshing around. And then they have to, if they, you know, if the case goes to trial and the person doesn't plea out, then they have to get that um, sample tested at the state lab to say that, yes, it meets the definition of an alcoholic beverage. Now, I wonder what one of these tests costs. Is it just a zero cost because you're just occupying the time of uh, whatever agent they're paying a salary, or is there an actual physical uh, cost to the uh, the chemicals or the test that they're running? Um, I don't have the the foggiest, but you know, there's a cost in in terms of prior. You know, in terms of pri- it probably comes down with both, but in terms of priority, I mean, there's only one state lab in New Hampshire and Concord, so. All the testing gets done there unless they farm that out some someplace else, which they don't typically do. And I mean, you know, you're talking about something that carries a $90 fine or yeah. <laughs> $100 fine depending on the municipality. So you're, you know, backing up the state lab with, you know, alcohol, you know, tests. You know, that's why a lot of police departments will in general, plea out cases, but that's why they plea out alcohol cases. And it's a lot easier for minor possession cases because they can just, well, we'll, we'll just plead out to an uh, open container, you know, everyone's happy kind of thing, because then all they have to say is, hey, yeah, we had this thing we think was beer, and the person is pleading guilty to it, instead yep. of actually having to go through the test uh, process and spending a lot of money and time. Right, so it can you know. be done, it's just going to be costly on them in order to do it. And the question is, how badly do they want to get you with a $50 fine or a $100 fine or whatever when they have to go through the jump through all of those hoops just to get the thing tested? And then they have to spend the time and the effort uh, and the, the, the money to, uh, to put on a court trial. <laughs> They're really pouring some money in to get this conviction. And on top of that, if, you've got a, if it's an activist, and it's likely going to be if they're going to say not, you know, say not guilty or take it to trial, uh, if it's an activist, then they're probably not going to pay the fine. 
So they'll go through all of the uh, the trouble in order to put somebody in a jail cell for 10 days or have them give the 50 bucks to a local charity. 10 days? That for excuse, minor- me, no, excuse me, for a day. Uh, it's 50 bucks a day. Uh, so for a couple of days or a day or two or whatever. Uh, or have them uh, give the money to a charity rather than the court. They've just jumped through all those hoops for for absolutely nothing except to just teach somebody a lesson. And if it's an activist, you're not teaching them a lesson. They're going to go right back out and do it again. So. Yeah, and what you were saying earlier about um, um, people not giving uh, alcohol or telling the cops anything, uh, that's, you know, one of the big things that people can do, especially, you know, in a college town, you have a lot of people carrying around Nalgene bottles and, uh, you know, uh, translucent uh, bottles, you know, that probably contain liquor. And the biggest mistake a lot of, uh, you know, college-age students or, you know, young people make is, you know, who are under the legal age to, mm-hmm. you know, possess out is that, you know, they act scared when the, you know, cops sees them with their little container and they yeah. go and hide it. They're trained for that. Cops. Right, and they give it up. I mean, isn't giving it up uh, to a cop essentially consenting to their search? Uh, pretty much, yeah, because it's a closed container. They need a search warrant for that. Right, this no, is mine. Can. You don't get to listen. You don't get to look at this, copper. Thanks for the call, Andrew. I appreciate it. Good info. Hour two coming up. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves toll free. 800 259 9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. 1 800 259 9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features there. In fact, uh, the site actually allows you to. Uh, get interactive. You can go and uh, submit different show prep suggestions. It's one of the many inter- interactive things that you can do. Uh, submit something that you find online. Maybe you see a video that you think is pretty interesting. You want to share that with our listeners. You go to freetalklive.com. You plug the URL into our little form, uh, put a little description in there, and then it pops up in our system. And then listeners can look at that, then decide whether they like it or dislike it, and they can vote on that. And then the most voted up, the most liked, will make it to the front page and the top of our website. So our website's content created by listeners like you and thank you for doing that head over to freetalklive.com it's a nice resource for us to use on the air to uh, get show prep suggestions from you and it's also a nice resource for you to interact with a community of other listeners to this program who i think a lot of them share some similar interests in what sort of news they're interested in reading so head on over to freetalklive.com and get interactive we're going to continue with our email series here uh, from federal prison 
We're hearing from a man named Mark Scott Emery. He is a heroic guy who is somebody I look up to. He um, has been doing civil disobedience uh, and been operating a multi-million dollar uh, empire in uh, in Canada. I don't know what qualifications you have to have to call something multi-million dollars, but I, maybe he doesn't make a million dollars in a year, but he certainly has made over a, a million dollars, more than one million dollars doing the course of his business over the years. The guy has been very successful at selling uh, cannabis seeds over the Internet, selling cannabis culture um, magazine and products, and he's got his own shop up there in uh, in Vancouver. He and his wife Jody have been working very hard uh, for a long time to work on ending prohibition, to convince people that uh, this war on drugs is an insane thing. And because of his efforts, the federal government decided to take note of Mark Emery, and they decided... United States federal government, even though he's in Canada. And they decided to go after him. Uh, They did go after him. They got him. Canada actually extradited him to the United States, and now he's sitting in a federal maximum security prison awaiting hopefully transfer to a minimum security prison. But nonetheless, he will be in federal prison for five years of his life. And he, of course, never harmed anybody. He just did business with people on a consensual basis. So it's, it's an outrage uh, what has happened to Mark Emery. And you can learn more over at CannabisCulture.com. That's his website. And again, his wife, Jody, busily keeping the operations going uh, in his absence. So we've had the uh, opportunity because we've been friendly with Mark over uh, over the years having him on the show a number of times to talk about exactly what it is he's been going through in this uh, this whole process uh so he reached out or actually I reached out to him and sent him a piece of snail mail in uh, while he was in prison and uh, then I heard back that apparently if you're in federal prison you actually get access to email now you have to pay something like 5 cents some a exorbitant minute. rate yeah or, or I think it was like 5 cents a minute it comes out to about 3 bucks an hour or something like that and uh, so uh, so he actually has access to it, which, you know, that's pretty cool, I guess. And so we, we have the ability to communicate quickly now with Mark instead of having to wait for snail mail. Uh, and so he, he asked us for some questions like, let's well, you're in jail. You're experiencing these interesting things. Uh, it's an unusual situation that most people thankfully aren't familiar with, though more and more Americans on a regular basis are becoming familiar with the inside of a jail or a prison cell. Incarceration nation. United States has more people in prison than I, I've heard more people in prison than all the nations uh, combined. But I don't know that that's true, but it's certainly more than any other nation in the world, unless you consider nations like North uh, Korea, where everybody's essentially a prisoner. This is true. And you could say that everybody's sort of a prisoner here, but then again, you can leave. Right. If you've got the I, right well, permission. At that point, slip. you can make the argument that everybody's a prisoner on yeah. the whole planet because we all live under coercive governments and um, the United States. Yeah. So, so, some people could make a good case the United States is a better prison than most places, and I'd have to agree. And some are more imprisoned than others, Mark Emery being one of them. Uh, so so we've asked him a series of questions, which we called from you, the listener, by going to facebook.freetalklive.com. Our listeners there, uh, they, they posted these when I asked for them. So we're on number two. The question for Mark Emery is, why didn't you attempt to seek political asylum somewhere instead of allowing the oppressive U.S. government to lock you in a cage? So why not run? I mean, you got five years. You're going to sit in a cage for selling seeds. Why not? Why not skedaddle? It's a good question. Mark's answer: I accepted the five-year sentence because I don't want to be a fugitive. After my time is finished, I want to take Jody around the world to meet our people, the cannabis culture in Europe, Africa, Australia, New Zealand, South America, India. One day, I want to come back to America and visit my people in all 50 states. I have more supporters in the United States than the entire rest of the world. I see myself as a liberator who has committed 30 years of my life to purposeful activism to liberate people from the shackles of government tyranny. Ever since I read The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged in the autumn of 1979, 
Running away is not my style or inclination. I stand for a very definite principle, and in jail I still represent that principle, that no government should abrogate the bodily autonomy of any human, and that all forms of prohibition are immoral and wrong and must be opposed. Even in jail, I am an advocate, a symbol, a soldier in the cause of good. My dad, who spent his young life in the Royal Navy from 1940 to 1945 fighting Nazi Germany, said, You serve where you're called to serve, son. And I serve my cannabis culture and the wider culture of freedom-seeking humans everywhere by being principled, stoic, a good example. Fleeting destiny is not an op- excuse me, fleeing destiny is not an option for me. My historical legacy is secure, but it is by no means the end of my story. My wife Jody is going to be a hugely popular and successful politician in Canada, and I want to be by her side advising her and mentoring her. My greatest achievement over 30 years of principled advocacy may be the dozens and dozens of superb activists who are protégés of mine and have now become tremendous activists in every state and province in Canada and the United States. And that's really a, a, a powerful thing to say uh, on his part. I mean, beyond him saying I'm standing for my principle and you know, I'm not going to run from this. I think that's pretty powerful. But one of the things about doing liberty activism is you, in some cases, don't know how many people's lives you're touching. One of that's certainly true about Free Talk Live. I mean, we're on the air every night, and there are ears, countless ears out there that are hearing this program, and we don't know about most of you. Uh, but we don't know what you're going through. You know what uh, what kind of emotional uh, ride you've been on as you've gone from supporting the coercive state, perhaps in various different ways, to uh, to changing your mind about these things, changing your mind on very critical issues. We certainly as, did. Yeah, such as uh, such as coercion, and and had it not been for uh, some of the people that influenced me, you know, Harry Brown, the 2000 and uh, 1996 Libertarian Party presidential candidate, maybe I wouldn't have come to uh, to this movement. Maybe. Who knows how things would have ended up playing out? Life's, her- life's weird, you know? Right. And so, uh, so there's all of this. Uh, there are these ripples that, uh, that are made from an act of activism, from somebody who does something that's visible for the ideas of liberty. Uh, somebody like a Mark Emery that stands up and, and leads the way in a particular area encourages and inspires others. And, and it's great because you don't really know how much you've encouraged others. I mean, it's nice when somebody writes you, and I'm sure he's getting this while he's in jail. And you can write him, by the way. You can go to CannabisCulture.com, and there's instructions there. You click a link at the top of the page to get instructions on writing Mark. But while you're in jail, you'll hear from people who say these things, that uh, you inspired me. That what you've, Thank you for what you've done. Even though you're sitting in jail and it's, it's crappy and you can't see your wife, that sort of thing. You, you've that's made, crappy. You've made a difference in people's lives, and that's worth something. I mean, it really is worth a lot because you don't know how uh, how much of a difference you've made and what they're going to end up doing, and and if they might be, you know, the next superstar activist that uh, that comes out and and really influences more people because maybe you influence the right person who can now influence ten times as many people uh, as as you did. You don't know. So it's a really a powerful thing to get out there and and stand for a principle because people see that and it resonates with them. And when when people see other people standing up and when people see other people uh, acting with courage, it will encourage them as well. And I think that's really the most important thing. One of the most important things that uh, I think activists can do is encourage other people to become activists, to step out of their boundaries, to get out and uh, and do something, you know, to non-cooperate or to just get active in uh, in some way. And I, ha- I feel like I had a, uh, a good non-cooperation success story, but it's, it has uh, flitted away from me uh, at this moment. Maybe we'll talk about that here in a little bit at 800-259-9231. But we're going to continue uh, with Mark Emery. He's got a little bit more to the question of, why didn't you run, Mark? Why didn't you just jet out? You knew it was coming. 
why didn't you just go to, you know, Aruba or something like that? I, I don't really know where Aruba is, but it's one of those nice islandy places, right? Am I right about that? Pago, Pago. Pago. Okay, thank you. Uh, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves. More with Mark The Emery Wallace Islands. From CannabisCulture.com here in moments as he sits in federal prison. Lichtenstein. Hey, everybody. Scott Horton here for FreedomCam.net. From coast to coast, the increasingly militarized American police state has grown out of control. Peace officers have become law enforcement. The old doctrines of minimal force have fallen by the wayside. Cops are now trained to use overwhelming force in virtually every situation, resulting in an epidemic of police brutality across our society. I say fight back while you still can. Film the cops and put it on YouTube. A critical mass of police brutality videos is being assembled online, and a change is going to come. Police perjury is no match for instant replay. FreedomCam.net offers discreet video cameras to help you avoid confiscation while checking power and protecting yourself. FreedomCam.net This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, that is freetalklive.com. Features including our shrine of female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo to show they are indeed listeners of the program. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See for yourself. And if you're a lady listener, you can uh, send us a validated photo or video. Get the details at shrine.freetalklive.com. Do you want to pay higher prices for goods and services? Well, you do every time someone doesn't pay their bills. This is one of the many compelling reasons that SACL CAI has been at the cornerstone of collections for more than 35 years. Before you pay higher prices, think whether the business, be it bank, hospital, retail store, or utility, could use some help with their collections and and containing costs. So they're not passed on to you. Tell them to call the dedicated collections experts at SACL CAI for a no-cost, no-obligation proposal. SACL CAI, you can see their banner at freetalklive.com. All right, 800-259-9231, back to the email box. This one, actually, it's a special email box for a website called CoreLinks. Uh, the federal government's hired some company to provide email to the various different uh, federal prisons around the country, and that's how we are able to interact with Mark Emery, who is one of the heroic anti-prohibition activists, the man behind CannabisCulture.com, a uh, tremendously visible icon in the marijuana prohibition movement or the ending of prohibition actually he he is uh, opposed to all prohibition he focuses on marijuana i think for obvious reasons because well it's probably the most popular of the prohibited products out there so makes sense you want to get support behind you support the most popular prohibited product but uh, mark's Mark uh, Emery, excuse me, if I called him Mark Stevens, uh, please slap me, Mark. Uh, I'm not going to slap anybody, but... Uh, uh, verbally slap. Be, I, give me a verbal slap. I understand slap. the reason you get confused. <laughs> uh, they're, it's, it's, they're both uh, marks that start with a C. Uh, so anyway, Mark Emery is out there relentlessly promoting the end of prohibition. The federal government went after him, and they got him, and he's in jail now for five years, prison, excuse me, and so that we've been asking him questions that our listeners passed on to us. Uh, for him, the first question was, "Well, why didn't you just run? Why, why didn't you just escape? Get out of Canada, make it so they can't find you. Go to some island country somewhere, or Liechtenstein, as you suggested, Mark, or wherever, and get out 
so uh, you can be safe from the the wrath of the U.S. federal government. He points out that he just he has the principle that he wants to make the stand. He described himself as stoic, and uh, and you know he, he is uh, an example to others, and he's talking about some of the people that he's influenced, and I think it's a really powerful thing that he's saying here. He says, my influence and example have lit the fire of passionate activism in tens of thousands of people, and I want to continue to be that light and inspiration. Running away to secure some physical comfort is a degrading trade for the influence I have now, you even know, in captivity. It makes me um, – I, I believe what he says because uh, you know, knowing about how much money he's put into marijuana activism, he's basically taken the millions of dollars that we've talked about he's earned, and he's dumped them back in. Certainly yeah. he's lived off of it, and he hasn't lived – Poorly, but he's put an incredible amount of his money back into getting, uh, you know, marijuana legalized, decriminalized, whatever it is that, uh, you know, he believes is best. You say he hasn't lived poorly. I mean, sure, he's he's eating well, I'm sure. But at the same time, he, he has always lived in this apartment, like above his business. So it's mm-hmm. not like he's got this, you know, palatial estate right, it's not or something lavish like or anything like that. Right. He's a, he's a fairly, from what I can tell, a frugal guy with uh, with his own lifestyle, mm-hmm. I guess. And so he says, running away to find some unachievable security as a fugitive is plain wrong for a man of my goals. I must confront the beast head on and change the nature of our governance, uh, governance, and that means enduring and perhaps suffering the cruelties of a pernicious state in order to achieve liberty in the future. So that's his answer to that question. I think we'll plug it, uh, throw another one in here. Number three, that one was much shorter than his first one. Number three, what do you think you've accomplished by being put in jail. This is one of those questions that's kind of uh, a toughie that somebody like you would throw out, Mark. Uh, I've heard you ask this one before of some of our activists up here in New Hampshire that have been put in jail. Well, don't you think you could have accomplished more had you been on the outside? What have you really accomplished by going in there? You haven't actually cost the system any more money. It doesn't really cost them anything extra to take on one extra prisoner beyond you know the, the baloney that they feed you uh, during the daytime. So really, what is it that uh, that you've accomplished is the question to Mark Emery as we retrieve his answer here from the federal email system. He says, I accomplished many things before I got put in this jail, overturning the marijuana literature ban in 1994, paying for some of the precedent, uh, setting medical marijuana court decisions in Canada, contributing $4 million to the movement from 1995 to 2005 in grants, donations, financing for class action lawsuits against the U.S. government. You know why this guy is wanted by the U.S. government. Uh, Supreme Court challenges against the marijuana laws, ballot initiatives in Washington, D.C., Colorado, Arizona, Alaska, the global marijuana marches, uh, which cost over $35,000 each year, and over 300 projects around the world, but largely in the U.S. and Canada. Cannabis Culture published for 15 years. Uh, Now it's on the web at CannabisCulture.com. Pot.tv was the world's first streaming video service of any kind. And I remember that from way back in the day. It started back in January of 2000. Certainly the first cannabis streaming video website. I financed marijuana political movements in countries around the globe. Over 30 years of libertarian and cannabis liberation activism developed a loyal base of supporters and admirers that has sparked the worldwide free mark campaigns. Without that 30 years of incredible activism and achievement, including 25 arrests, 21 jailings, six raids, and all in all in civil disobedience, and $4 million donated to non-proprietary, meaning I had no stake of ownership in the project, activism by others, I've demonstrated in this 30 years, but particularly the 95 to 05 period, why I'm considered a leader of the leaders of this movement. Uh, and then he cites some of the documentary work that's been... Uh, that has been written about him and, and, and produced about him. And there's been quite a bit. I mean, full-length, hour-long coverage by... So this is all things that he achieved while on the outside. Though, Correct. Right? Yeah. And exactly why they decided they didn't like him very much. Because yeah, it's he's a threat. 
He is. Uh, no doubt. I understand why they, they decided to put him at the top of their uh, their list, because it's not about dangerous people. It's about people dangerous to, to them the state. and uh, to their, you know, the way that they make money and the way that they rule. He says that my incarceration is political is clear by DEA head Karen Tandy's statement on the day of my July 29th, 2005 arrest, where she cited my propagandist magazine, Cannabis Culture. The hundreds of thousands of dollars to legalization groups, that I was a leader of a political party, etc. No victims of my activities have ever been identified, nor has any American ever gone on record as complaining that my activities hurt or harmed anyone. So by being in jail, I'm giving the people a chance to display their affection, loyalty, admiration for a lifetime of my principled activism to behalf or on behalf of the American and Canadian people, the worldwide culture, actually. To return me to Canada or to have me pardoned, the, uh, the campaign is a way for people to feel emotion about oppression and with that emotional impetus to learn about the, uh, the war on drugs, about the tyranny that comes from the drug war and government. When an individual, even by themselves, holds up an America must free Mark Emery sign at their busiest intersection or just to hold a sign saying Google Mark Emery, it can motivate strangers, passers-by, students, the curious journalists, people of all kinds to look up my name and read my Wikipedia entry. See the videos and read history and become curious and then maybe even inspired so they can read my inspiring life story and become principled advocates for freedom uh, for freedom themselves. And so the work of one supporter recruits more and more activists to become involved in a greater struggle against tyranny as well as the more specific goal of liberating me, their martyr and representative from the gulag. There you go. Mark's answer. Uh, to your questions, uh, the question being, what have you accomplished by being put in jail? People are are going to galvanize behind him. They're going to reach out. They're going to spread the word about Mark Emery, hopefully ever more so. And I think you can also point out, and he he didn't point this out, but when you're on the inside, you're still doing activism. You're still talking to people about freedom. You're talking to the guards. You're talking to the other inmates. There's some value there, too. More coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Boost Kid Essentials, the nutritionally complete drink with 25 essential vitamins and minerals and probiotics to help support your child's healthy growth. Visit us at kidessentials.com. Calling certain foods bad or good doesn't go very far in helping kids understand about balanced diets. Discuss the powers of foods. Carrots are good for your eyes. Fish keeps your heart strong. And how they work together to help kids grow, and they'll remember it even better. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial in to the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features there for free. So head over to freetalklive.com. Get interactive with other listeners in various different ways. One of those ways is our wiki. You can pretty much edit virtually everything you see, over 2,000 pages Created by listeners just like you. Go to wiki, W-I-K-I, dot freetalklive.com. Its shadow followed Paul. Its hot breath had flowed across the back of his neck. Its cold fingers had caressed his throat. So begin my, so begins Matthew Wayne's novel, The Ouija-ers. Follow Paul's adventure as he dabbles in the dangerous netherworld, opened up to him by the way of the Ouija board. Open your imagination to the frightening possibilities as demonic dimension merges with our own. What occult realities will follow, will Paul discover? What hidden powers will he have to battle? Read the Ouija to find out. Available now at 
ebook.freetalklive.com. It's ebook.freetalklive.com. Toll free number 800-259-9231. As we continue here, Mark, you wanted to share six things that the cops can do to just absolutely screw you. Is that pretty much the story from crack.com? Yeah, it's uh, another great cracked article. <laughs> um, we are so lucky. It, actually, I got it from uh, freetalklive.com's uh, you know, ranking system there for news stories. Somebody uh, put it up there. We're so lucky to be living in an area when law is no longer uh, common for, say, it's, it's, it's no longer it's no, an era of law when it's no longer common for, say, suspects to be interrogated with live cobras tied to the end of nightsticks. Unfortunately, there are still many colorful ways that the police can royally screw you when it comes to um, and while Lady Justice shrugs. For instance, you might be surprised to learn that right now in the United States, it's actually legal for cops too. number six, steal your stuff. Imagine. Oh yeah, asset forfeiture. <laughs> but these are probably these are these are going to be things that we talk about on Free Talk Live mm-hmm. on a pretty regular basis here. Imagine you had your uh, car stolen, but then for- Fortune smiles upon you, and the cops find it after the thief used it to smuggle, say, two hundred pounds of cocaine across the border, running over thirty children in the process. You realize you're going to need all of the, uh, need to get it all back and its fluids replaced from the mechanic with a with a soft voice and gentle hands, but you still want it back because hey, it's your car. It's your car, right? Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah, there's some bad news. It's been uh, sold by um, a new espresso machine for the uh, station's break room. <laughs> sold for? Yeah, so, excuse me, sold to buy a uh, new espresso machine at the uh, station's break room. It's called asset, civil asset forfeiture. You probably have already heard of something like this, where the police uh, get to seize the car and house of some drug kingpin and stick the money in the department's budget. It's called criminal forfeiture. Right, except most of the time it's not a drug kingpin that they're doing this to. Because they rarely bust drug kingpins. Right. They, they don't find them very often. But then there's this loophole where the police can seize anything they suspect has been used in a crime, even if it doesn't belong to the criminal, mm. and even if uh, there hasn't been a conviction. So this has happened to people, landlords and their houses. Be careful if you own your uh, the rental property that you have because, hey, suddenly the police see, a, see an opportunity. Absolutely. If they, if they like the car you drive, they can just accuse you of being a drug dealer, and then good luck getting it back. Yep. I suppose it's possible, but then you got to hire a lawyer and go through how much are you willing to spend to get that car back. Right. See, if you, the actual owner of the goods, tries to challenge it, the burden of proof is on you to prove that you didn't know it was being used in a crime. It's called civil forfeiture. For the police, there's no legal requirement to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that, say, your TV set was once used by the ring of, uh, a, a ring of Dutch pedophiles to view kitty porn. They can simply take it without ever giving it back, and even if they never formally charge anyone for a crime. Yeah, they, well, you would have to prove that your product or, or whatever it was that they took from you uh, was not used in those crimes. Good luck doing that. Here's an example. In 2004, Zahir El Ali, a Jordanian immigrant and U.S. citizen, sold a truck to a man who agreed to pay for it in installments. Before he could, fit it, before he could finish uh, making the payments, though, the man was arrested for drunk driving and the truck was seized. Seeing as the uh, car still legally belonged to Zahir, he still had the title, he demanded it back. The police refused. Yeah. And they possibly laughed at him. Because civil forfeitures are so simple. Over 40% of police executives admit their budgets depend on cash from them. Mm. That that means each year those uh, stations have have a quota of forfeitures to fill, and technically there is really no stopping them from filling it with your Xbox. Number five. Uh, guess your car's speeding, and uh, they they can guess that your car's speeding, and uh, guess your car's speed, and then ticket you for it. 
Does this scenario sound familiar to you? Sir, do you know how fast you were going? Uh, well, it could have been more than 40 or 42. Sir, it was over 100. I have it on my radar. Uh, I see. Um, sir, where are your pants? Well, that's actually a very funny story, officer. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> luckily those days are in the past. But the part about uh, speeding, uh, spending the night in jail for driving bottomless around uh, school zones, the radar thing. Uh, the police don't need them anymore because now they can just guess your speed and ticket you based on that. Looked like 100. That's uh, as of June 2010 when the Ohio Supreme Court decided five to one that a trained officer doesn't need any of those newfangled gizmos to determine if a car hmm. was speeding. In accordance to the ruling, the visual estimate of an experienced police officer is enough to convict anyone of speeding. So his hunch, basically. Yeah. Without the need for pesky uh, wastes of time like independent verification yeah, and proof. evidence. Right. Some might argue. Yeah. And, and, and really, it just goes to show that these people in robes in the so-called Supreme Courts will pretty much bend over backwards to, uh, to help out the police at your expense. That's their job. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're set up. They work for the same organization. Mm-hmm. Some might argue that this grants too much power to the police, but really, what's the worst thing that could happen? Mark Jenny of Akron definitely wasn't the first person to ever get ticketed without a radar reading. But unlike most motorists, he refused to take it lying down and fought back all the way to the state's Supreme Court. Sure, in the end, he lost and had to pay his ticket, involuntarily (laughs) helping to legalize radarless ticketing and probably losing a... uh, crap of a uh, crap load of money in the in attorney's fees but wait we forgot where we were going with this <laughs> so yeah that's uh, that's what happens so you can you know police officers can just decide that you were speeding amazing they don't even have to uh what, what's it called when they uh, they they, they uh, go alongside pace of you? you yeah pace you they don't even have to pace you anymore they just guess that mm. looks like speeding wow so number four they can arrest you for drinking in a bar Hmm. Picture yourself in a typical Wednesday night, hunched over a shot of whiskey, ready to commit mass murder in, on your brain cells. The smug little bastards that they are. After taking one sip, a bunch of cops burst in and tackle you to the ground. In your state of shock and confusion, you apologize for drinking and beg them not to tell your parents. It takes several minutes before you realize that you're now you're 26. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you live alone and that you were arrested for tasting alcohol in a bar. That's or tasting c- alcohol in a bar. That's the scenario in states where uh, very broad public intoxication laws like Texas. In 2006, Texas scored the highest number of drunk driving fatalities in the country. And after determining that this was the rare problem that could not be blamed on immigrants or homosexuals, the state officials decided <laughs> to do something about it. Namely, they dusted off an old 1993 law and gang interpreted it um, it atop a pinball machine until somehow began, uh, became illegal to arrest people for so much as being near a bottle of booze anywhere, including a bar. We're not exaggerating for the sake of comedy here. Not only have they decided a bar is part of the public and that public intoxication forbids um, that they be intoxicated in the bar, but they don't even require a breathalyzer test to determine if a suspect is really drunk. They can make arrests based on nothing more than hunches. <sighs> In June 2009, Fort Worth officers used the new public intoxication regulations to arrest a bunch of folks at local bars. That, by the way, happened to be the area. Uh, it happened to be uh, the area gay and um, homosexual bars uh, that that were there. That hmm, they went after. Things that make you go. Hmm. Yeah. Naturally, according to witnesses' uh, testimonies, none of the arrestees were actually drunk, though they were dangerously brown or homosexual. Now, you mean, uh, I see. I see. So, so basically, they're using this uh, this very nebulous law to target people they don't like. 
Well, they were targeting and, everybody because we interviewed the uh, Texas ABC is what it's that's called. That's right. We did. Carolyn Beck from the uh, Texas Alcohol Bureaucratic Firearm Commission. I believe she went out and got a real job after our interview. But For real? Uh, that's what I heard. Well, maybe we changed her mind, Mark. Maybe she... Uh, <laughs> uh, she was a very, very kind lady on that She interview. was. She yeah. should not have been working for the government. Uh, so there's more coming up here at yeah. 800-259-9231. Different ways the cops can screw you. And some of these, if you've been listening for a while, you already knew about. But always good to, to repeat this information. More coming up at 800-259-9231. Share your stories with the police or bring up whatever's on your mind. It's Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated talk show on more than 80 talk radio stations from Alaska to Florida. We've been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation twice. And the number one political podcast on podcastawards.com four out of the last five years. You can have access to our 80-plus stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for as little as $500 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Wesley Snipes possibly going to jail, looks like, uh, for three years. We'll give you some of the details on what's going on with that, because we thought he was going to not be having to face that sort of uh, prison time. Uh, Those details coming up. 800-259-9231, your calls as well about whatever's on your mind. In fact, we're doing the... Six things that the cops can do to screw you over. Uh, Mark, we got through, what, half of them? Through yeah. Three? We're going to put three, the rest of the three on hold. We're going to go okay. to the phones and the fun. Mama Allie is on the line in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mama Allie. Hi, Ian. Hey. What's Hi, Mark. On, Hi. What's on your mind tonight? Um, sweet. I just want to let people know that um, if, if you want to give them a short rundown of the Shire School, I'm just going to tell you guys, I was just cleaning and packing and stuff and started packing books away, and I have two whole boxes packed already for the Shire School. You'd be amazed at how many books that you've already read, aren't going to read again, that we would really appreciate everybody just put in a box so that our kids can have everything available to them. So um, I'm just calling so, everybody to clean out their cabinets, collect all the books that they can, any kind of educational material whatsoever that our kids can get their hands on, we'd appreciate it. You're talking about a uh, schooling effort that's going to be starting up here in uh, the Keene area of New Hampshire. They already have uh, the Free Staters, Liberty Activists around the rest of New Hampshire. Some of them have started. There's a school, I think, in the Manchester area, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a kind of a private uh, school that's run by, uh, by Free Staters. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I... I know it exists, and so you guys are going to be creating kind of a. Uh, uh, I don't know if you school is is school really the right word? I mean, is it, it's not going to be structured in the same way that a lot of schools are. It's going to be more of like an open center for people to come and and uh, and exchange uh, what expertise and ideas with uh, with the kids. Right? How would you describe Absolutely. it? Absolutely, be, be able to. Um, we're going to offer a lot of different teachers, a lot of different people from a lot of different places in life that can offer our children education from their level. A lot of different um, liberty and freedom minded. Um, paperwork, educational materials, I don't exactly know the word for it, but a lot more material than that they would be exposed to in normal schools. So um, we're just trying to gather those things right now to be able to expose them to things that we really feel like are relevant in their lives, not the things that the people who make the system that you have your kids in in public school think are relevant in life, which, as you can probably pretty much tell from your life, you don't really use much of what you learned in high school or school period, you know, in your everyday life now. There it's, are more things that our children definitely need to know. And it's not even what you uh, what you learned in school that uh, that you consider sort of the, the education that I think is, is really so bad, not to say that 
there isn't some bad aspects to it. But I think it's the it, it's what you don't even realize that you learned. You know, the sit there, shut up, ask to use the bathroom. You know, uh, stand up, pledge to this. Uh, you know, just just the the whole way that uh, that school teaches you to be this this cog in their machine, as opposed to somebody Definitely thinks getting uh, ready outside for the, the system. Box. Yeah. Well, that's great. Definitely um, getting Allie. your children ready for the system, and I definitely think that the system is something that we should avoid at all costs. I would expect you with up, our children. I was going to say I, I would expect you'll end up having more success getting books and uh, materials and such from people that are local to the Keene area. Uh, but nonetheless, how can folks that are outside of the area get in touch with you if they want to help out? Um, actually, we have um, our Facebook page. My Last Biscuit Facebook page has a group called the Shire School. You can put it right in your Facebook page. And then if they want to donate things before we get there, Ian, I don't have the address for the box right offhand right now, but you have it. It's um, Yeah, we're, we're not going to be able to give out the – we're not going to be able to give it on an address. It's just too difficult. It just doesn't work. But uh, people go to Keen Last Biscuit on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. They can go to our group, and we'll direct them from there for sure. All right, great. So you still you still on track to get up here in early August? Oh, baby, you don't even know. I've been busting my tail, but let me tell you, I told you I'd be there, and I'll be there. All right, <laughs> We fantastic. might be cooking from a campground until we find a house. It's the right house, but by God, we'll be there. All right, cool. We'll look forward to seeing you. And Mama Allie, thanks as always for the call. I appreciate hearing from you. That's the lady I was talking about earlier, by the way, in the show, uh, where I mentioned that there's this you know underground food uh, business. She's doing it down in Savannah, Georgia, and has had an incredible level of success. She's a dynamo. I mean, she'd have an incredible level of success at anything she did. I hope so, yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just lucky that she decided to, you know, get on our train. Absolutely. And she's uh, writing up a book that is going to instruct you as to how you can duplicate what she does. So how you can open up, uh, if you've got the same drive, uh, to uh, to serve food to people, because that's something you've got to love to do. It's a hard, hard business, and it's I a lot of I heard some numbers uh, recently, and it was, it was crazy that uh, four out of five restaurants fail in oh, the yeah, first three that? years. I, no, it's I, like four out of five in the first year, and then uh, like four out of the remaining five in the next I, five. I just heard the, the numbers that I just told you I heard on NPR Today? like a couple of days ago, huh. so, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't it's know. it's significantly what, difficult. There's a lot yeah. of competition, and the overhead is... Uh, it, 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 there's not a lot of profit to be made in the in the restaurant. You gotta field. love cooking. You really do. And so taking the overhead out of the picture makes it a little easier, right? Because if you don't have to pay for the uh, the business, you know, the kind of front storefront window front business with all the tables and chairs and everything like that. If you don't have to pay for uh, all the the staff, the kitchen staff and everything, uh, you can just operate it out of your home. And that's what she's doing. She's operating her own food delivery service right out of her house, and she's providing people with home cooked meals that. Great prices. You get incredible portions uh, for, what, what, seven bucks, Mark? You're probably going to eat well at least two meals. You could probably split it up. It's uh, huge. Yeah. So uh, so we're looking forward to that. I and don't know how. Uh, I, I could eat that whole thing in one sitting, but yeah, uh, I think depends. you probably could. There was something that I got that I was able to shovel down, but it was just because it was so delicious. Like, I could have probably, if I wanted to, I could have stopped, but it was just so good I didn't want to stop uh, stop eating it. So that's the kind of thing that I think that we need to see more of is people going out uh, and on a, li- a bit of a limb. And putting uh, some some of their freedom on the line. And the good thing about this is you don't have a whole lot on the line. So if you start small, you don't have to jump all the way into uh, the the deep end of non cooperation. You don't have to go and open a storefront and then uh, you know go all the way out on the limb, so to speak. You can just do something out of your own home without begging for government permission first. Whether it's cutting hair or what somebody else does that around here in Keene, uh, or whether it's, you know, making food. And, in fact, I hear that there's going to be a pizza place uh, starting up as well this, around the same time as Mama Allie. So she may even have uh, underground competition for food, uh, food services. 
So if people just start doing something that's of value, if you're creating a product and service and you're putting it out there and you're just doing it from your home, you don't have anything else invested beyond the uh, the extra time that it takes for you to perform that service or create that product and the cost of the product itself. You don't have the extra overhead of, of a storefront or a warehouse or, or something like that. So it's a good way to keep costs down and lower the risk if the government people do come after you. It's not like you're sitting in a, a five-year commercial lease or something like that where you're going to be on the hook for some, uh, some extra money and won't be able to operate because the government is uh, jumping down your throat. So yeah. it's a good way to start. Let's continue with your phone calls and go to Florida, where Chris is on the line. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, I called on another issue, but uh, mm-hmm. since you just mentioned being a freak, and I am one, and I just pick up a lot of things for uh, the neighborhood or put them on Craig, in the free section on Craigslist, but the amount of things that are thrown out makes What me did we mention? Freak- I'm sorry, freak- being a freakin'? Yeah, freakin'. <laughs> oh, I don't think we mentioned Every- that, did we? Did we mention you that? You didn't specifically. Okay. But well, go ahead. Yeah, go going dumpster diving and uh, yeah, safely. With, I don't with think gloves. we talked about that on. The, did we talk about dumpster diving tonight, Mark? No, but, um, maybe Mama Allie asked here. for some uh, recycled. Well, uh, in, in another way of uh, being charitable is that I, you know, I, I know it's not a money making venture, but it's a it's a way to to give away to uh, to your friends and people in the neighborhood who you know are needy. There's there's just so much that's disposed of and it's not even bad or uh, you know not even expired. And mm-hmm. I think that there's price fixing going on amongst the supermarkets with the amount of stuff that being thrown out. That was my point. But um, You think there's price-fixing going on among supermarkets? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that were discovered because of, you know, they're throwing out things that are frozen, things that are nowhere near expiration well, a lot of times. And they, really? You know, they, have, you worked, have you worked in the business? Do you know this to be the, the truth? No, I don't. I'm saying I would, would not be surprised. Oh, okay. So you're completely speculating. Let me just make sure I understand where you're coming from. You're, you're saying you're completely speculating that they're throwing out frozen The prices food. are high. Yeah, because prices are so high, and, you know, they're throwing out full ice cream cakes, multiple, you know, multiple amounts of gallons of ice cream, for example, and it doesn't have expiration on it. Mm. I just, uh, you know, I don't know what the reason is, but uh, they could be lowering the price on a lot of the things that are perishable and the things that aren't. Uh, well, why if they were colluding, why if they're colluding? So you're saying this, you know, you're saying you know this to be true because you've dumpster do- dove and you've seen these things? Yes, and not just food, also merchandise. I mean, there's a lot of toys that I find and give away on Craigslist and so on, a Christmas list and such like that. Well, isn't it possible? Okay, so here's what I guess I want to know is, if they're throwing away food, uh, as you say, and you believe it is not expired, what would that have, what would their motivation be to do that? That's a very good question. I really don't know. I mean, you know, I find a lot of toys uh, at say Walgreens, for example, and and give those out. But uh, it's just perfectly good merchandise, mm. other than toys, also that they toss out. Maybe it's the um, maybe it's the employees want to go and get it afterwards. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that, but, that could be. Who knows? Uh, but sometimes you get a product in that just doesn't sell, and uh, even though you discount it, people aren't aren't going to buy it. Uh, although it seems like you could really discount it, and people would buy pretty much anything. Um, but then yeah. again, I, yeah, give it give it away to soup kitchen or whoever would take yeah, it. Yeah, that's I mean. a little surprising that they wouldn't do something like that. I know there are a lot of businesses around here that do. Uh, in fact, the local grocery uh, store does one of the local stores at least does give uh, baked goods and things like that to the local food kitchen. So I don't know if there's any kind of colluding going on. I think there are certain policies that stores have about f- food freshness, and I know you're saying you don't believe there's uh, expiration on ice cream. Maybe that's true. Um, Seems like ice cream in a dumpster is bad news. You know, like it's going to melt or something. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up absolutely anything. Hour three's on the way. It's Free Talk Live. My worst day ever? I'm waiting in this crazy line at the DMV. 
So I'm checking the web. Zero responses to my new resume. My 98% compatibility match now just wants to be friends. And hackers have taken over my Facebook account. I just thought, has the whole world turned against me? It's not the whole world that's turned against you. It's the Internet. Private, inaccurate, or unflattering information posted about you online can hurt your reputation, your career, and even your relationships. But now, help is available. It's called Reputation Defender. Reputation Defender controls your privacy online and manages how you look when someone Googles you. Reputation Defender continuously monitors everything about you on the web, including 40 social networks. It also removes your personal information from websites that collect and sell it, protecting your privacy. Go to MyReputation.com or call us at 877-720-6497. 877-720-6497. Use promo code BLACK for a special discount on our revolutionary service. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything as we launch here into the third hour of the show. To control of the airwaves, toll-free number 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, uh, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And the site features, uh, one of the main features of the site allows you to actually influence the stuff we'll talk about on the airwaves here. In fact, a couple of things I've got coming up this hour, if we get a chance to get to them, came right off the front page of the website because listeners like you go and submit interesting stuff to our site. You find things online that you think are neat, like a news article or a blog post or video or something like that. Uh, you submit it to the site. Other listeners then vote up or vote down as to whether they like or dislike it. And the most liked stories will make it to the front page and the top of the website, all over at freetalklive.com, and it's all for free. You know, Mark, before we continue with the the three remaining things that the cops can do to screw you, I just wanted to to comment a little further on the last call that we had, and it was a little bit paranoid uh, about grocery stores and whether or not they are colluding on price fixing. Um, I just, I find this hard to believe, this idea, and it was just pure speculation uh, on the caller's part. And he offered as evidence that they are colluding on price fixing the fact that they throw things out, which doesn't make sense at all either. Why would they, if they're price fixing, why would they throw things out? One is not necessarily connected to the other. Non sequitur. Uh, so the whole idea that the grocery stores would price fix is, I think, is silly that most businesses would collude to price fix. Uh, the way cartels typically work, as I understand it, is the concept is, well, the business owners realize that, hey – It'd be in our best interest if every one of us, all four, let's say uh, here in Keene, New Hampshire, there are four grocery stores. Uh, so, uh, so if all four grocery store owners get together and they say, "All right, well, we're we're having a tough time out there. Uh, people are, you know, it's just we've got to get some more money in, and uh, and it's hard to compete against you guys because you keep slashing prices and and making it more difficult for us to sell our milk or whatever it is that they're they're, they're wanting to sell." And uh, so let's get together. Let's lock in the price at this rate. Doesn't matter, you know, what you're paying for the milk. Let's lock in the price at this rate, or we'll we'll lock in and and guarantee that we have uh, this margin or whatever. We're going to come to an agreement on what the prices should be. That's what price colluding is. It's cartelizing. And the reason why it doesn't work is because, well, people want to want to make more profits. I mean, they they have an interest in uh, beating their competition with price so they can get more people walking through their front doors. Sure, cuz at that point if you're if you're price fixing, then everybody's got the same price. Then other things come to bear. Uh like 
location, for instance. The the supermarket with the best location is going to have uh, is going to get more traffic than the supermarket with the the worst location because the prices are the same. So the why supermarket would... with the worst location is going to say to themselves, "Well, this is crap. Yeah, well, my prices are the same as the other supermarkets, and I'm not getting nearly as many customers." Uh, well, you know what? I know what I'll do. I'll cut prices. Uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be uh, fifty cents off, below yeah. them on everything, and then people will come to me, and they'll yeah. do it. And yeah. then the the people at the, the in the good location, we gosh darn it, those people have better prices than us. We have to get people back to here. We've got a better location. They want to come here. Well, what we'll do is we'll we'll cut prices. We'll be just ten cents more than them on everything. And then the people will be like, 10 cents. Our customers are going over there. That's, yeah. They've got the good location. So, Back down. And this, this, is how, uh, this is how the marketplace works. Right. And if you want to call it greed, then you can. I mean, because it's the drive for, uh, to, to, uh, to achieve profit. I think greed kind of has a, an excess uh, attached to it, a, kind of a concept of excess attached to it. But nonetheless, uh, people are interested in making sure their business succeeds. And in order to succeed, you've got to get feet through the door in the business of retail. You've got to get people, uh, their eyeballs on your products in your store in order for them to buy it, in order for them, uh, for you to pay your employees, in order for, order for you to you know, make it to the next month. And so even if these businesses were to ag- agree to collude on prices, I don't think it would last very long. It just somebody's going to want that money. Somebody's going to want those customers, and they're going to break the agreement. And beyond that, just look at the store circulars. There are different prices on things. I mean, it's just it's ludicrous to believe that uh, in any way these people are, are fixing prices. I mean, there's, there's heavy competition in the area of grocery stores. We, I was talking about restaurants earlier. Restaurants are fairly low-margin uh, business. There's not a lot of profit to be made, you know, 2 to 3% or something like that, I've heard. I don't know. Maybe you actually work in a restaurant. We're out of the can, restaurant business. You can tell me. But I've also heard that uh, grocery stores make about the same. You know, like two to three percent. Thing is, they're doing volume. They're doing a significant amount of uh, traffic. Right. When you're talking about things that everybody needs, then the margins are going to be cut very, very close on them because, well, people know that they can get into that marketplace. Um, you know, there's I, there's certainly are I think glaring examples uh, that uh, you know to the contrary in this. Uh, you know, for instance, dentistry. You know, everybody needs dentistry, but. I guess it's because it takes so long to become a dentist. I don't know um, that the, the the I don't think dentists compete that much on on price. Well, but there's more skill involved in what a dentist does than putting a you know shelf up and putting food on it. Yeah. So there's they're paying for the skill, you're paying for the training, all that. But I just think it's pretty much ludicrous the idea that uh, grocery stores would be com- would be colluding on price. Anyway, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Mark, last hour we started out the six things. This is from crack dot com. The six things. That the cops can do to screw you. So if you missed the first three, just tuning in, you can get those later at freetalklive.com via the archive. But let's continue the list. Number three, counting down. They could arrest you for filming them. Oh, yeah. If you, if you search for jerk cop on YouTube, you will uh, instantly get... Uh, they didn't write jerk. Yeah. yeah. Cracked is, uh, uses colorful language. And, uh, yeah, What's I, the first letter? I'm very word. good. Uh, A. A, okay. Yeah. Um, and has uh, seven letters in it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I've gotten really good at kind of screening out the uh, the, the, the the verbiage. Okay, if you, you instantly get hundreds, if not thousands, of videos of some police officer tasing or otherwise abusing some kid or grandmother who may or may not even deserve it. 
And you can find police, a fresh one every week. Police abuse videos are surely the fastest growing segment of online entertainment. <laughs> I'd like to point out to everyone, Cracked.com is not a libertarian website. It is not no. a website about the police state. This is just a website about um, amusing people. Yeah, comedic observations that and, are somewhat relevant. Right. And this is what people are saying in the real world, that videos of police abuse are growing exponentially. They're, 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 it's huge. And... You know, I, I think it's the Liberty community that uh, that we have to thank for it. Quite frankly, they uh, they've been they've been doing that stuff and they've been putting it up there. So sadly, the entire genre might be on its way out. Currently, three states made it mm. illegal to film on-duty police officers, even and especially if they were beating up handicapped minorities in the middle of town square <laughs> in Illinois. Massachusetts and Maryland, yeah. they require both parties to consent to any recording Ludicrous. for it to be legal. So the cop, whom you just filmed spouting profanities that uh, reinvent the, the very idea of racism, unless he, ha- uh, he has always dreamt of being an internet sensation, he can easily bust your butt and confiscate your camera. There are 12 states in total that enforce an all-party consent law, but only three interpret it to include public places of, uh, of gathering with absolutely no expectation of privacy. So on one hand, that kind of sucks for people trying to record police misconduct, but on the other, hey, apparently security cameras are now illegal in parts of the Northeast. Looting party next week. So... 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. The best way to uh, to handle this is for people to just keep recording them. And if they make it uh, illegal to record them, then find out ways to do it surreptitiously. Uh, keep putting that information out there. Don't don't upload it to your own view, YouTube channel, uh, that sort of thing. Make sure that you can have some questionability about who did this, who was the responsible party for the video. So if you've got multiple people uh, near a cop, then there's a good chance they're not going to be able to f- correctly identify who it was that had the hidden video camera, uh, that sort of thing. But it, And I guess it's good news also that the, the mainstream media has picked up on this story and is kind of running with it because it's going to affect them too. Uh, the mainstream media sure. folks uh, have had the police aggress against them. We've seen it at the various different Republican, Democratic national conventions where – ABC News reporters have been attacked by the police uh, in, in, in many cases at protests, news coverage. People that are there, cameramen, have been, uh, they've been jacked by the cops. It's crazy. You know, I think this is a good time to read a, a freedomcam.net uh, ad. From okay, coast sure. to coast, the increasingly militarized American police state has grown out of control. Peace officers become law enforcement officers, and it's an epidemic of police brutality and murder across our society. The answer? Film cops and put it on YouTube. Go to freedomcam.net. It's freedomcam.net. They have discreet video cameras that you can use to film the police, and they're on sale right now at freedomcam.net. And in addition to that, get your butt up here to New Hampshire. Join the Free State Project because, uh, at least up here in the Keene area, we don't have a problem filming the cops. They're totally used to it. Uh, More coming up here. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. In the decades to come... Hardy adventurers will colonize the solar system, rediscovering freedom and finding vast new wealth. But the government of Earth will seek to extend its power and claim that wealth as its own any way it can. Escape from Terra, Volume 1, the first trade paperback collection of the popular adventure webcomic series, is available now for $12.95 from Big Head Press at BigHeadPress.com. 
Talk Live, and we invite you to take control of the airwaves. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features on the site for free, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, you can click and download uh, they're right there on the front page. You can go back for a week there on the front page. And then if you click to the archive section, you go all the way back to 2006. It's all free for you at freetalklive.com. Memorydealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, uh, including SFPs, XFPs, GPICs, ZenPaks, and X2s. They're 100% compatible with all the major networking equipment manufacturers and up to 99% off of list price. They can even offer offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Get a hold of them at memorydealers.com. All right, 800-259-9231. Mark, you've got two more things that the cops can do to screw people. Yep. Is that right? Completely legal. We'll get to those here in a little bit, but first, your phone calls. Dave is in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dave. Hey, guys. Hey, Dave from RidleyReport.com. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I wanted to uh, talk about the use of the, the word coercion and how I think it might not be the best word for you guys to use uh, when you talk about what you're, what you're against. Great. Let's okay. hear it. Why? Uh, I don't think coercion is in and of itself the problem. It's, it's aggression. Mm. Aggression is what we're against. Because coercion, in theory, you could be, uh, you could be the pilot of a privateer uh, off the Somali coast fighting pirates on your own dime. Uh, and that would be coercion, but it wouldn't be aggression. Or you could be, uh, you, you could coerce somebody who has already aggressed in order to bring them to justice, as a bounty right. hunter, for instance, might. So we're going to get called on every comment we make, uh, especially one that we make as frequently as talking about coercion. And I think I've probably done it in the past myself. But it's important to be clear about what we're against. That's a good thing. I, I agree with you, Dave. I think words are very important, and it's important to make sure you're using the right ones so people understand. Yeah. Uh, and that's really all I had to say. Excellent. I appreciate you pointing that out. Folks can go watch your videos at RidleyReport.com. And thank you for the, the call tonight. Uh, Dave Ridley, great guy out there, always uh, doing his best to cover as much as he can about the activism happening here in New Hampshire. Uh, he's got his boots on the ground and his videos on YouTube so you can see what's happening. More coming up here uh, with your calls. Uh, let's go to the amp lines. Matt is on the line in Illinois. Matt, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. Good evening. Hey, what's uh, on your mind tonight? I'd, I'd like to discuss how government has managed to bring families closer together. Okay, uh, sure. At least in my case, myself and my daughter. How's that? Um, my daughter uh, recently graduated from high school, and she doesn't share my distaste for government. And, uh, in fact, uh, has even written in, in high school classes, was even uh, writing bills that she could take to uh, to Springfield, Illinois, here with her student friends and uh, try to get these bills passed. Mm-hmm. So very recently, her uh, uncle, who's quite well-to-do, has decided that he would like to take her to Paris because she wants to study cooking. So she needs a passport. So today I says, okay, well, I'll take you out and we'll get the things that you need to get uh, for a passport. About six years ago, we had a fire in the house, and she lost all all her important cards. So the first place we had to to go was the uh, the county to get her birth certificate. Okay. 
which was no big deal. I mean, they were quite helpful and actually produced it rather quickly, and it was no big deal. Pretty good. Wow. Uh, yeah. Then we had to go to the federal government to get her Social Security yeah. card. Uh, the reason we have to do that is because she needs a Social Security number to get a state ID. Okay. So even though I, you know, all these stuff about how Social Security number is not, not supposed to be for identification purposes and everything else, I didn't even get into that with her. I just decided, okay, we're going to jump through the hoops. She really wants to go to Paris, and this is a necessary thing that we have to do in order to do this. Yep. So we go to the Social Security Administration. Because the slaves can't leave the plantation without master's permission slip. So, Cor- gotta, Correct. Got to do that. So, And, you know, I'm, I'm doing this for her. So we go to the Social Security Administration, and they can't get the Social Security card to her for two weeks. But they give her this little slip of paper yeah. that says, okay, you take this to the, to the state, and that you should be okay for getting your state ID. Mm-hmm. So the last place is the the state. So we go to the state of Illinois, and they politely inform us that, no, they cannot accept that. They have to have the Social Security card. And she saw all these people lining up to pay their money for their license plate stickers and everything else, and everybody was mad. (laughs) And she's like, oh, why is everybody so mad in here? Now, you said she's fresh out of high school? Fresh out of high school, hasn't hasn't lived in the real world right. yet, and out of fresh out of government high school, correct. Okay, and she was she was very polite and everything else to these people, but when we got into the car, she's like, "I hate those people." And so it begins. Yeah, it doesn't take too long dealing with the government to decide that it's a, a it's a, it's an organization of petty tyrants that have no desire to provide customer service. Right, and I explained that to her, and I did it as a, a nice a way as possible, and and I actually tried to to keep away and and change the subject because I could tell that you know she was seething underneath. Yeah, and uh, and so I I feel that we've kind of grown closer together and have kind of made a connection here, and she's she's finally beginning to figure out why Dad is always railing on the government. Very cool. So, Very cool. So thank you for that story. Anything else you want to share? Well, it, it, you uh, talked earlier today about uh, there's something about taxes. And I remember thinking, um, you know, when the government increases taxes, it seems like their revenues fall. Uh, they were talking about small businesses with the 1099 forms. Yeah, having to fill out and a I'm form thinking, every time they uh, do right. $600 worth of purchasing. And I'm thinking to myself that they're kind of just cutting off their noses here because people are just going to start throwing up their hands and saying, I give up. It's too complicated. I can't do this anymore. Oh, absolutely. Uh, There's no doubt about that. And that's one of the things that government regulations do is it just makes it so arduous to do business that a lot of people who otherwise would want to do business say, screw this. I'll just keep my job. You know, why should I why should I go out and be the government wants that, though? That's what I mean. They, They don't want they want to protect their buddies who are already in industry. And so they keep setting the bar higher and higher with all these regulations that make it more difficult for people to get into business. So I can tell you, man, I looked into starting a radio station years ago just because, you know, I was in radio. I love doing radio. Well, what's it take to start a station? What are the regulations like? It's impenetrable. 
You, you need an FCC attorney. Right. You need an attorney, and they're going to charge you. Did you know there are FCC attorneys? There are. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Lots so, of them. Wow. So it's it's just crazy. And I looked at that, and I said, the hell with this. I mean, for the price of starting a radio station through the system, you can start 20 pirate stations. Wow. Anyway. Well, yeah, my thoughts were that it's just it's it's starting to go downhill from for them. I, I, think, they're, I think they're making mistakes, big mistakes, but... Good. The more they make, the better for us, as you pointed out. And thank you, Matt, for the call. I appreciate it. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Yeah, they, they're not going to get better. <laughs> they're not going to get more efficient. No. So That's not how the government works. Yeah, there's some things you can count on when it comes to government. And that is, they will grow. More on the way here. Your calls as well. More things the cops can do to screw you and your calls. About at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Oh, all the features on the site, by the way, are free. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their websites. Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy. Also, you can enjoy our webcam, which is there, uh, and it's brought to you by memorydealers.com. Go to cam.freetalklive.com to watch and listen to the show and interact with other listeners because our uh, cam page is built in. Uh, it's got our chat room built into the page. So go to cam.freetalklive.com. You're being researched online every day, and it's affecting your life whether you realize it or not. Especially if you're a doctor, lawyer, or other kind of professional. People are researching you online. So now they have a product. It's called MyReputation.com, the Reputation Defender, uh, that can, tr- can uh, help you to know and control what's said about you on the Internet. Reputation Defender will continuously monitor everything about you on the web, including 40, 40 social networks. It will uh, remove your personal information from websites that collect and sell it, protect your privacy. It will even allow you to stop unwanted mail from reaching your mailbox. You can go to MyReputation.com to find out more. Use promo code FREE, that's F-R-E-E, and get a special discount at MyReputation.com. All right, 800-259-9231. If we get a chance, we'll tell you about Wesley Snipes and what's happening to him. It's not good news. Uh, But coming up first, Mark, you've got two more of the things that the cops can do to screw you. A lot of these things our listeners probably were already aware of, but it's uh, it's an important list here from Crack.com. Didn't know this one. Number two, book you for carrying condoms. Whoa. Spotting a prostitute can prove to be one of the most important skills you'll ever oh, learn. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I remember this one. D.C. They do this in D.C. I don't know how many other places they, they do, but uh, go ahead. Especially when it comes to telling real hookers from undercover cops. And thus, we present you with this wonderful bit of information on proper whore identification. In Washington, D.C., women carrying yep. more than two condoms on themselves are considered prostitutes <laughs> and can be arrested as such. Yeah. Interesting. So or, if you get so if you get arrested for something else and they find two condoms in your uh, or three condoms in your purse, maybe you'll get a prostitution charge on top of whatever else it was you got you got popped for. Which is ridiculous because 
I mean, if a real hooker is going to know this rule relatively quickly, right? Mm-hmm, sure. And she's going to have a place where, if she's a streetwalker, she's going to have a place hidden where she can get to them. You know, I mean, it's just. Oh, yeah. So they're going to. It's so ludicrous. At least that's what the DC's uh, designation, uh, DC's designated prostitution free zone. Uh, you, can't be, you can't be having prostitutes in your prostitution free zone. That would defeat their very purpose. Do they have the signs up? I'm just curious because you know you've got the drug free zone signs. Have you seen those before, Mark? Usually if you're in uh, like a school area, you'll see drug free school zone or something like that. No, Do they no actually idea. have prostitution free zone signs up? Just curious. So it's really over. Do, uh, do they have a little stick figure of a woman or something like that on the, not the sure. sign? So it's all uh, really Although an over. Although not, not all prostitutes Could I finish this sentence? No. So it's really. I say no. <laughs> an overreaction of the D.C. police <laughs> for arresting all women congregating without a destination in prostitution free zones mm. or PFZs for those of <laughs> us who are in the know with at least three condoms in their purses. After all. Those are the intent internationally recognized signs of people who take, oh my God, <laughs> who have sex with strangers for money. So there was something it's you replaced joke there, there, right? So yeah, I, I, it's, it was. There was That's there were the, more oh dirty God. words in that sentence that I could that my mind could filter properly. <laughs> the, oh my God, time. was you taking your time to figure all that <laughs> yes. out? Right? Come on, three entire condoms should be enough enough for at least a typical person for an entire lifetime of consensual activity. That's why they only sell them in individual uh, individually at ridiculously marked up prices. Add such suspicious behavior. I wouldn't know. I've never hanging out one. into the mix, and you've got all the ingredients for a prostitute stew so the new practice has already caught the attention of various women's rights groups around the country imagine if you just bought say the hundred pack of 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 condoms and you're coming from the grocery (laughs) grocery store (laughs) and you happen to walk through a pfz Mm -hmm. there you go Well, now maybe they should really crack down mark and make it so that the store owners have to get identification from any woman that's coming in buying more than two condoms there you go or a guy for that matter uh, because they could be a prostitute. So it's caught the attention of various women's rights groups around the country, not just because innocent girls are possibly being thrown into holding cells with women that go by names like Discount Debbie. The the one the main worry here <laughs> is that delicious uh, AIDS, the real working girls, are spreading, well, uh, like working girls who mm. suddenly found condoms to be a huge liability. That was a little disjointed. What? Well... Basically, that women that are, don't use condoms are more likely to spread AIDS, and yes. this is a it's essentially incentive them. to yeah. not carry condoms. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, wow. Man, who could have predicted that uh, the, the new rubber stand, uh, standard most prostitutes wouldn't clean up their acts and go get an NBA or something, but rather start doing it without protection? Who would have guessed that? Certainly not the politicians. I had a conversation the other night, uh, by the way, that, uh, just a quick update here for our listeners that have been paying attention to what's going on here in the Keene area with some of the non-cooperation and civil disobedience. We've had the nightcap, the Keene nightcap, uh, Adam and Pete from LibertyOnTour.com came into town and, and they kicked off the nightcaps several weeks ago as they started to invite folks down to the local park in the center of town at about 11 o'clock at night to enjoy uh, some, uh, some imbibing and some partaking uh, there on, in public. And they became very popular with upwards of 30-plus uh, people gathering on a regular basis to enjoy each other's company and hang out. And uh, we were unmolested by the police for a number of weeks. And then finally, a few days ago, the uh, the cops showed up after the incident. But that wasn't for a nightcap. No, it was for a nightcap. After okay, the, was uh, after the nightcap. After the mass arrests in the park earlier in the day, the cops showed up again that night, poured out some beers, 
and I don't think they made any arrests, but uh, nonetheless, they kind of... Then the next night, they had a presence down there as well with a cop standing in the park. The night after that, three cops came out. Uh, and so two nights, the nightcap ended up being just cop talk night where people were out just having conversations with the police in the park because mm-hmm. everybody still came out uh, and the cops were there. So we had some nice conversations. Actually, I had some some good conversations. Really, uh, the, you know, the guys here on the Keen, the Keen Police, I, I've, I've said good things about them before and, and I will again. They're, it, it, they make it easy. Uh, you know, I mean, there's when you, when you read about other departments across the country yeah. and you just read how awful and corrupt they are. Uh, our, our cops seem better, even around saying, the state, uh, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, they're, they're better. I wouldn't go so far as to say there aren't any corrupt cops on, on the Keene PD, but I would say that the cops that I deal with uh, are, are approachable. They're, you can have a conversation with most of them. Some of them have a, you know, a bit of an attitude, but, but many of them are very approachable, very nice. And the three cops that were in the park the other night, I was there for about an hour talking to them uh, before we all retreated to another park and had our fun there. <laughs> but... Uh, so the, these three cops were there, and we talked to them about prohibition. And uh, three out of the three cops were against the idea of marijuana prohibition. Wow! So, but they weren't really willing to do anything about it. Like, but what is they, anybody willing to do about it? Well, I, I don't know. If you're against the idea, join Leap. Go law enforcement. Go to leap leap cc and join law enforcement against prohibition. That's it's it's a little thing you the can do. The average person doesn't go join normal, even if they uh, are know. against marijuana I prohibition. Know. But my point being, three out of the three uh, were already on board with the idea of ending that prohibition. One of them is uh, in favor of ending uh, all prohibition. Wow, uh, pretty much. And another one is persuadable. I was talking to him, and he's, he had some issues with the hard drugs. And I said, look, just go. I t- have issues with the hard drugs. Go, but Go look at the numbers. Look at Leap. They've got the details about Portugal and uh, the Netherlands and these places where decriminalization has been tried and to been me successful. the most motivating thing on that issue is when you're talking about hard drugs like heroin and crack you know i don't know much about these drugs honestly but i do know that people will do insane things to get them i was in prison for nine years i saw lots of people who did insane things to get these drugs they'll hurt people mm-hmm. they'll steal things and they'll do awful stuff which means that me and my family are at risk we don't touch heroin or crack, but we're at risk because some heroin or crack addict might decide that our house is the next one that they want to stop off and uh, you know do their robbery and killing in order to get the money that they need to get in order to, to for their drug habit. So this this drug war, rather than just somebody's you know wasting their life away on relatively cheap crack uh, or heroin, they have to go out and steal for the stuff because. Aspirin doesn't cost that much. Mm-hmm. Drug companies, I mean, you know, over-the-counter drugs that are mass-produced don't cost that much. None of these drugs you're talking about here would cost that much to produce. You're not talking about uh, proprietary blends like, you know, the, the the patented stuff that the drug companies sell for hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month. You're talking about things that would go for mm, maybe $3 a, a shot or whatever they, they get for them. So anyway, after a couple of nights of uh, good conversations with the, the police in town here, they kind of went away last night. One cop showed up during the night. Nightcap. Uh, there maybe is a little bit to tell about that, but uh, they, he used his discretion and, and didn't do anything. He went away, even when somebody cracked a beer, obviously open <laughs> in the very near vicinity to the cop. More coming up here. You can take control. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 
Free Talk Live. We are continuing here in the remaining moments of the program. We'll take your calls about whatever is on your mind. You dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Uh, as we continue here, Mark, we've got one more thing to get to. Yes. Uh, the things the cops can do to screw you. We'll get to that here in a moment. want to make sure that you know that you can help the show out by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. It's a way for you to get behind Free Talk Live to help us get on more radio stations. Got a big one to announce coming soon. At least I think it's a, it's a pretty big announcement. We've got a new six-night-a-week affiliate coming Seems on Seems that way to me. In a place that a lot of people go to vacation. I, I'm not going to say much more than uh, than that at this point, but suffice it to say, I'm I'm pretty excited. So we'll uh, we'll announce that when the time is right uh, after they get started with us. But it's listeners like you that make it possible for us to make these uh, these additions. In fact, directly, uh, this addition came uh, straight from your support. One of the things that we do with uh, the money that comes in from the AMP program, the three bucks a month from listeners like you, is we reinvest it into buying industry ads. And one of the, the other thing, one of the other things we do is we buy. Um, a spot on Talk Shows USA, which is a website run by an industry veteran, a guy that has you know been around, he knows a lot of people, and he's got a good reputation uh, within the business. So he's, he's like somebody that uh, a program director, if they're looking for a, like a weekend show or something like that, or looking for new programming, they'll come to uh, to this gentleman and they'll say. Skip, what do you got for us? And he'll show him what he's got. And he always has a very limited amount of shows that he reps, right? So he only handles six or eight shows at, right. at most. So we're one of those shows. And we've been on with him now for, for, a, few, for a number of years. Uh, and it's a fairly affordable thing for us to do. But it's listeners like you that make it possible. This guy is the guy that actually snagged us, this brand new radio station. Um, mostly I'm the one that gets the stations. But sometimes he'll come in with some leads that are really hot, really good. And, and occasionally he'll yeah. actually come through with... Uh, with a uh, an actual agreement from a station now skip's totally worth it yeah yeah but and i could pay him more uh, to get him to do affiliate relations for me to actually like really push the show as of right now we just kind of pay him at a level where he really represents us yeah he's yeah exactly he's got some shows that pay him full time and then we are kind of uh you know an alternative show i guess so second tier is the right way to the right way to put that but we get to basically be listed with these other shows that have uh, great name recognition and uh, also industry rep uh, reputation things like that so it's your three bucks a month that's helping make this happen. Uh, listeners like you, you can go to amp.freetalklive.com. So it's a great way to get Free Talk Live into more ears around the world because uh, we also do advertising online on Google and, and other places like that, uh, Freedoms Phoenix, to, to get the word out about Free Talk Live, to get the message of freedom into more ears. Plus, you get perks. You get access to the Amp Only call in lines, the Amp Only forum, the commercial free podcast, and more. Head over. And get signed up with any major credit card, PayPal, and some alternative options at amp.freetalklive.com. Now, before we go on to the final thing uh, here from the list of crack.coms, things the cops can do to screw you, I did say there's a little bit more about the keen nightcaps uh, continuing here with the civil disobedience going on nightly uh, in the local park here in Keene, New Hampshire. There's been a lot of controversy about this recently in town as a result of a newspaper article that was written after uh, about seven people were arrested one recent, uh, this last Sunday afternoon, including myself. Uh, arrested for being out in the park. Uh, we were trying to prevent the cops from kidnapping a young lady who was enjoying a beer uh, out in uh, the public park. And, of course, there's been the requisite outrage from the people that say, go home, free staters, we hate you. You know, you're, you're destroying our community. And da, 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 da. So there's something incredibly terrible about someone spending the afternoon in a park uh, enjoying, uh, enjoying a beer, an alcoholic beverage. So the cops came out a couple nights there, and they kind of, 
you know, tried to rain on the parade of the uh, the nightcappers. And if the cop is president, if a cop is present in a park, it's very it's less likely that people are going to be as uh, brazen with their civil disobedience. Sure. But uh, so the so the first couple nights the cops were out, we just had some conversations with them. We moved on, went elsewhere, and and enjoyed ourselves there. Uh, last night there was no cop in the beginning because they had been there at the very beginning of the nightcap, so just kind of headed off. Uh, last night there was no cop there. It was raining, so everybody went up underneath the gazebo when they got there. Even though it was raining out, we had 25 people in the park, and that's that's a it's pretty a full good, gazebo. Yeah, that's a pretty good turnout. So we're all hanging out under the gazebo. We've we've been there for maybe a half an hour, and then a cop starts walking this uh, you know this direction. Of course, plenty of time for people to just put their drinks down or whatever, because if it's not in your hand, uh, it's then, not yours. Then they have to ask you, "Is that your drink?" <laughs> if you say yes, you deserve what you get at, at that point for being you know gullible. Silly. Yeah. Um, so people put their drinks down, the cop comes up, and the reason he was there, and actually, I mentioned earlier that the Keen cops are pretty cool when it comes to recording. This was another great example of that. I had pulled out my my, uh, my cam, and I went to Quick.com and uh, was broadcasting live on the internet. Of course, I tell the uh, the officer this as he approaches the stairs to the gazebo, and he's like, oh, you know, that's no problem, you know that's no problem, and uh, he just went on about what he was doing, and apparently that one of the new uh, liberty activists that just moved into town hasn't really found a place to stay yet. I guess he he came real quick without really giving anybody any heads up that uh, that he was coming, so he wasn't able to uh, facilitate that. And so he st- kind of had his stuff, and he stowed it somewhere in town, like by a dumpster. The cops found it, uh, and they were actually trying to find him so they could let him know that uh, that he should pick it up. And so my question for them was, well, you, are you trying to trap him? Are you going to you know arrest this guy when he comes for littering or loitering or camping or something like that? And he said, no, no, you know, we're not going to do that. We just want to get it back to him. And so that was apparently the reason why they, that he even approached the uh, the nightcap last night. And he stood there and chatted it up with Michelle Seven for a little while. Can't blame him for that. Uh, and then and then he went away. And, and I actually told him while he was there, I said, well, you know, uh, Steve, I'd, I'd like to request uh, as a alleged citizen that uh, you go about your business and check some locked doors or something like that. Because that's one of the things they do and I fully support, you know, going around to the local businesses and kind of checking their front doors to make sure they're secured. Uh, Big bald guy? Hours. Yeah. Yeah, Steve's awesome. Yeah, really, really nice guy. Had a great conversation with him the the night before that, and and as uh, we're standing there in the gazebo, a guy cracks the beer open, a really loud noise. <laughs> it's really obvious. And uh, you know, Steve just stood there. He didn't do anything about it. It happened to be one of those sixteen ounces, right? Yeah, yeah. So the bigger they are, the bigger the noise. You know, the only yeah. thing you could add is what bigger is that the Faustus Australian Fibia, the one that that's uh, like twenty eight <laughs> ounces or whatever, big giant can, right? So uh, so he didn't do anything, and that's what I'm looking for from a cop, to use your discretion. You don't have to enforce the law. You don't, if, if it's a bad law, you don't have to enforce it. If people aren't getting hurt, you don't have to enforce it. You can look the other direction, and in this case, that's what he did. It was clearly obvious somebody cracked open a beer in that uh, gazebo, and he just stood there, had a conversation with Michelle Seven, and, and uh, you know, went, went away after that. So thanks, uh, thanks to, uh, to the Keene police for doing the right thing, and at least that one instance. Uh, so we'll see if they come out tonight because the nightcaps continue uh, here in, in Keene. All right, so there you go. More information over at freekeen.com. In fact, uh, our buddy Sam from the Obscured Truth Network has just a few moments ago posted the video of the, the first night the Keen the cops arrived on the scene and dumped people's beers out into the fountain, by the way. There's a, a public fountain. There. Right, that's, if that's if anybody else did that, it would be pollution or something. Yeah, pollution. yeah littering. So, gross. Anyway, let's go on, Mark. The uh, one more thing from crack.com the cops can do to screw you. Number one thing they can do, steal your identity. For the last couple of years, identity theft has been the exalted grand poobah of the American Paranoid Club, and for good reason. The thought that somebody out there might go into a long, preposterous career of bestiality porn using our name and credit card to fund it constantly keeps us up at night. 
But, you know, what could be even scarier? If it was the police who took your identity and then created an, an entire new chapter in your life. Mm. One where they made you, like, a stripper from Ohio. Good luck, which is uh, good luck something fi- the law actually lets permits them to do. Well, good luck getting them to be held accountable for something like that, right? Uh, it's the, it's legal. Right. <laughs> this used to be illegal um, no more than eight years ago, but it all changed in Ohio. Funny how Ohio is getting such a rap there. I wonder when Osborne's going to move. Um, when Ohio uh, passed a new law aimed at combating, ironically, identity theft. The 2002 law allows law enforcement agencies to take anyone's personal identification, driver's license number, social security number, anything, and give it to an agent to use while undercover. Jeez. That in and of itself wouldn't be so bad if the cops were using your identity to pose as somebody cool like a mafia hitman or a T-Rex. Sadly, the reality is most often uh, it's less professional assassins and more streetwalkers and nude dancers. As far as we know, Haley Dawson has never taken her clothes off professionally. But for one month in 2003, a woman with the same name, address, and social security number danced naked in front of a bunch of drunkards and internet perverts on a strip joint in Troy, Ohio. That woman was actually Michelle a criminal justice student participating in an undercover police operation using Dawson's identity as her Despicable. cover. Yeah. Naturally, the real Miss Dawson wasn't informed of her good name was not. being tarnished and fantasized about by sweaty middle-aged guys Jeez. for over 30 days, but it was all worth it after local liquor agents could finally charge the owner of the club with two misdemeanor charges of furnishing alcohol without a permit. Amazing. Let's the ends justify call. the means, people. Let's go to your phone calls here. David is in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, David. David in California. Going once? Yeah, right here. Hey, yeah, I hate, there, there went that little click. Go for it. Hey, you know, uh, I was more interested in the Shirley Sherrod uh, business. I don't know if you all are oh. aware of the uh, Breitbart scam that he's pulling um, are, are you aware that uh, that his apparently his financial backers are the subprime scammers? And uh, you know, this year they're saying that there are going to be four million Americans evicted because of the subprime scam. And it it would appear that his tracking or his targeting Acorn. You know, Acorn got I'll tell you started. what, I wish we had more time to get into it. Sounds intriguing. Uh, make a note. Give us a call back tomorrow, 7 o'clock Eastern Times, when we go on the air. Yeah, I'd love to, to talk to you about it. We just don't. We'll be happy yeah, to that's get, it. <laughs> get some more info from you. That we're nailed to the clock. See you tomorrow night. Online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Good night.